Welcome to the Wheel of Reads, a Wheel of Time podcast. Your hosts are Alan, Chris, and Ian. This podcast is safe for first-time readers with no spoilers. This week, we wrap up Eye of the World with four chapters, chapter 50, 51, 52, and 53. Meetings of the Eye, Against the Shadow, Neither, Neither Beginning Nor End, and The Wheel Turns. Enjoy. All right, coming into episode 24, uh, finally have reached the end of Eye of the World. We finished the first book, so very excited about that. Um, I know Ian yes. and Chris have been waiting a very long time to do this, and, uh, and very excited. Uh, the slowest way ever to read a book uh, by doing a podcast and going chapter by chapter, slowly <laughs> making it through. But we have a special treat tonight because we're doing one, only four chapters, which is the most we've ever done in one night. But we also have a special guest to join us to help us guide us through. Um, uh, he probably doesn't need much of an introduction because he's kind of an expert on all this matter. And he actually did a video on the end of either world, explained the whole thing. So you guys could, should check that out. But I'll awesome. let him. Yeah. Um, actually, you guys can't watch it, though, because it still has spoilers about stuff later in the series. But uh, <laughs> 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 this is my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guys. You can't still can't watch it. But you can watch other of his stuff. So our guest is Nablus. Uh, Nablus himself. So I'll let Nablus introduce himself, talk a little bit about what he does, his YouTube channel, uh, for any of our listeners out there, if any of you guys don't know him. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. Uh, uh, no, I, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, I, I'm Nablus. I make YouTube videos about the Wheel of Time. I'm a nerd. Um, but so are all of you. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know much yes. else about that. I make I make stuff about the upcoming show and then... Uh, deep dives and i i try to be i try to take a little uh take a little deeper approach to some of the stuff so a little bit further analysis on things so yep that's me i have a dry sense of humor i'm a troll at heart um so i'm a smart ass get used to it and yeah that's all i got um so we're happy to have you on um it's uh it's gonna be fun going through this and uh, i can tell you just from other experience with other guest hosts you're gonna love these guys because they're just kind of crazy um, when it comes to coming up with all sorts of ideas. Um, as far as housekeeping for anything else, nothing really new this week uh, to report there. Um, there are some changes that are going to come for the next book when we start. So I'm going to be making some changes to our Patreon, um, probably adding a few new levels um, and tiers there. And then uh, we might make some changes also to equipment and setups and things like that. So stuff, stuff's getting better. Stuff's coming. Just letting you guys know um, um, it's coming down the line. So, Alan, can I say something on that real quick? Because uh, I just want to tell you privately, uh, the Dusty Wheel, Matt Hatch, told me that if you made a $10,000 tier, that he would gladly mm-hmm. do that every month. Oh, nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. I will. So, yeah. I'll let, just wanted to let I'll you let know. Retirement. Here we come. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> yeah. I think. So, on that note, we're going to start recording from the Bahamas. <laughs> Daily. Um... <laughs> Daily. Yeah. Take a private jet down there. And, uh, <laughs> So, uh, well, thank you, thank you. Oh, one million. million. Justin Wheel just confirmed and and chat. Yeah, one million dollars. <laughs> uh, Perfect. I'm gonna hold my breath and uh, yeah, if we can uh, and we can visit. Um, and Nablus, you can bring your yacht down. You know, sure, I can and, take you guys out on the yacht. I have two sure. or three of them, so it just depends on what coach you're on. <laughs> you too, money is crazy, guys. <laughs> 
Exactly. Perfect. It's also Monopoly money, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's a toy yacht. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a kids' bath bathtub toy. Um, but hey, it's so. As far as a uh, personal life goes, um, uh, not much new with me. Quarantine's kind of over for me. I'm going back to work now, and uh, um, you know, actually went to the pool last weekend. We went to a museum, which we haven't done in forever with my kids, so that was fun. Um, and yeah, so it's kind of returning back to normal. Um, how about you guys? Anything new in life? So being that this was our last Eye of the World recording, I was putting together like a really cool intro, but then something happened today that I think sums up my experience here at just the most perfect timing. I had my first wheel of time. Uh, I don't know the term. I'm going to say geek out moment with somebody else that I interacted with, not through our Discord, not through this at all. I was uh, calling my credit union because I'm getting ready to buy a, a vehicle. And I wanted to check the status on the loan, whether I could pick up the check or not. And they have a one-word password you have to give. Now, of course, I'm not going to say what that is here. That would be stupid. But it was a uh, it was something from Eye of the World that you would have to kind of know the book to know what it was. And so this lady asked me to give my my phrase password or whatever, and I give it. And then she starts quoting the book. And I was like, oh, snap. Da, 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 da. Hey, have you ever heard of the wheel reads? And she was like, oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Um, but then I was trying to find ways to keep the conversation going. And I was like, oh, because if you did, we were doing a live recording tonight. And we also have a guest host coming up. I don't know if you watch any YouTube stuff. And she goes, yeah, I watch blah, 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 blah. And this guy, Nablus. And I was like, but, well, he's going to be on there. That's perfect timing. So we actually talked for like 20 minutes about Eye of the World and Wheel of Time stuff and the show coming up. And she was also very kind once she realized I'm only on Eye of the World. She didn't spoil anything. But um, there was like two minutes of business and 20 to 30 minutes of just talking Eye of the World. Uh, now, she's not on tonight's uh, live Discord chat because she's working overtime tonight. But she she took down all the info and she will probably be joining. So hopefully we could give a shout out to her in the next couple of days. So I, that was just uh, an amazing experience. Uh, and then one thing I'm very excited about, um, y'all heard River come on one of our episodes before. And he read a little bit in the beginning and of Eye of the World. And he, I, I asked him if, you know, do you want me to buy you the whole series? Do you want me to buy you your own book? Blah, blah, blah. And when he found out we're almost at the end, he was like, well, you know, in, in kind of a very sappy father-son moment, like, I'd really like to read your book and, and whatnot. So once we're done with this in our bonus episode, I am already passing this book on to my son to read, and I'm super thrilled about that. Um, passing books on is something I, I always do. Like, my library is very slim. I know a lot of people collect them, but I read and then if I find somebody that has a passion for that book, I don't even suggest that they go buy it. I hand it to them. And I've done that in many other series. And the, this is my first time doing it with one of my kids. So I'm very excited about it. So that that's my life in a nutshell. Oh, yeah. Well, enjoy. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, by the way, so I, we did do a Patreon giveaway and I, um, I give away either a book. And I was in the line at the post office, and the guy behind me sees the Either World book. He goes, "Great book, man!" So, <laughs> very similar story. I turned around and started talking about a podcast. So, but um, 
I'm not sure. We didn't, yeah. we didn't exchange information because it's the post office and you're like hurried along and it was not very, right. um, yeah. So, um, but Chris, what about you? I think it's pretty cool that we have all had a conversation about the eye of the world. <laughs> so I literally had a conversation today before I hopped on with a good friend and she's like, yeah, I'm looking for a new fantasy book to read. I was like, well, did you read? I pulled her in the same way Alan pulled me in. Did you read Game of Thrones? And did you enjoy the TV series? <laughs> well, yeah, I loved it. Well, man, have I got a book for you. So she's actually going to be a first-time reader, and she's going to start reading it, and she's going to listen to all of our podcasts, which is really cool. Um, so I'm super excited about that. Um, uh, as far as personal world goes, it's been super crazy, super hectic, um, a lot going on that I won't get into because – I've been on my, my soap box, soap opera box, however you want to say it, for the last four days, um, advocating for different things, and we will leave it at that. I, I, we, we, I, I, know, Davis, I don't know if you want to share anything personal if you want to. It's not your podcast, so we can just keep going if you want. <laughs> no, you. With that, guys, I wanted to share some personal information. Uh, if you all want to take a pen down, my social security number is uh, <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. my mailing address my your mother's, mother's maiden name, name yes. is no I, I i did just get back from vacation so i did a live stream kind of from the beach yeah i i was getting some flack man for not social distancing there um was that your first time down there have you been down uh, there no before? i've been down there before so what, it, what okay, happened gotcha. my mom uh I, i'm the oldest of seven kids my mom booked like a basically this like giant mansion on the beach. She just decided to, she wanted to do a vacation with all of us. And so it's like this like 15 bedroom house on the beach with its own private beach. And she had paid all this money for it. And I was like, really, this is cool. I've never done anything like this before. Like we'd always done houses, but nothing like that. And then of course right. COVID happened. Uh, and like half my siblings didn't go cause they were all worried about it. And, and my <laughs> mom had spent all this money and they wouldn't give it back to her. So, I ended up going, yeah. right? And we just kind of hung out with a few of us. It was like my parents and about three of my siblings, their spouses, things like that. So it was fun. Um, I, I catch on fire in the sun, so I sort of avoid it. So I was like sitting underneath uh, like umbrellas or inside all the time. But hey, it was still relaxing. So Sure. Yeah. Plus, plus, there's like a ton of great, great whites down there right now too. You don't really get in the water. It's, really? It's... <laughs> well, yeah, they're actually. It's it really damn cold. So that's what. That's why I schedule my trip more towards August. The water's generally uh, warm enough that you don't have the big sharks as close to shore. Yeah, but so. they because they like cold water. Exactly. So yeah. Well, the big ones do. The big ones do. So moving kind of on to the episode, I'll go through predictions that we had. So Naples, you're gonna love these because some of them are. Good. Some of them are way off base, and we'll kind of just um, um, go through what predictions from last week and kind of do a throwback one as well. So, one from the last few weeks, it might have been last week, but that Rand was Lan's nephew. Um, that we, we had that short backstory of Lan, and uh, we had Lane's son. I can't remember what his name was, but he died, or they thought he died, but maybe he didn't, and maybe it was Rand, and maybe that goes back to time traveling to him. Maybe Tam found him, and <laughs> Rand's actually the same age as Land, and <laughs> um, 
whatever. Okay, so I, I did warn you that if I'm drinking wine or tequila, it goes from good to bad real quick, yeah. right? So that's clearly one that came up at the end of an episode, and I was just, I was in the zone. <laughs> Another one we had was that the Heron Mark Blade is blessed, um, that it could be Aes Sedai made, or it could be made by someone that's anti Aes Sedai. Um, and then that Matt is the heir to, to Manethrin. Yeah, he's the heir to the throne from Manethrin. I think that was Chris's prediction. <laughs> and then a Chris prediction that we find out this episode was wrong is that the Horn of Valir is hidden in Shadar Logoth. <sighs> yeah, that's from way back when we were in Shadar Logoth and we met Mordeth and we get to that chamber where Matt stole a dagger. Uh, we all know that. Chris had predicted oh, that the, oh, horn, <laughs> the horn's not there. Um, so yeah, but but we we were reaching, but you in in the right vein though. I mean, something very significant came out of there that lingers with us still, and as far as I can read, is going to linger further on. So sure, it might not have been the horn, but we we still got a big uh, yeah twist to the story there. <laughs> so sure. Definitely. I'm trying to throw some love, Chris. I'm I, yeah, feeling I'm it, but I love you it, know man. we have two cynics in here, and it's like, <laughs> I'm just setting you up to throw I you know, under the bus about in two about two chapters. Two chapters. Like, so said, <laughs> get ready for it. <laughs> she could completely fuck off. <laughs> you can delete that out. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> so with that being said, let's go ahead and move right into chapter 50. Meetings at the Eye. Um, and for, we start every episode or every chapter talking about the name, the chapter title, and then also the icon, which is the Avendasaur leaf that we've now figured out that that's that, that three foil leaf vine thing. It's the same as what was on the Waygate. So that's how we got to figure that out. But um, any thoughts about the name of the, of the chapter? I know obviously you guys have read it, but initial thoughts. It's really going to be up to Chris if we get anything insightful at this point with the chapter titles or the logo there because I was in rush read mode and I I read it twice, listened to it once, getting ready for this, and at no point did I care about the the chapter title at all. I was just chugging through it because um, I I was just so eager. So my bad, uh, Chris, save us. What do you got? I'm wearing my floaties. <laughs> I am not going to wow anybody. When it comes to these titles, they're actually pretty straightforward, which is probably the first time I felt like Jordan threw us all a bone. Like, now, meetings yep. at the eye, like, it implies that there's multiple individuals that will be there, or there will be multiple instances of meetings at the eye, and since we know everybody came together, and then you had the green man already, it's like, who and what are they meeting? So then my mind went right away to maybe this was a trap of some sort. And it went, yeah, it's and that trap. was exactly the thought. <laughs> but, you know, I kind of thought maybe the Alzheimer's was there or something. And they, he, they were unwittingly going to, like, their doom. Um, or that they would meet some, like, secret cult of Aes Sedai that was supposed to help them shape, you know, the pattern. I was hoping for that. I was hoping there would be some male exactly. Aes Sedai that, for whatever reason, survived thousands of years and were in there to like help guide uh, Rand or whomever. But yeah, true. I, I was hoping. If were, were, he you, had... were you thinking? Were you thinking kind of like uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade with like the old guy sitting in there? Exactly. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. In fact, in the last podcast, I quoted that exactly. Like that's what I was. 
yeah. picturing might be happening or something, but yeah, think, not so much. I think yeah. you called him Lancelot, yeah. right? And <laughs> oh yeah, and everybody corrected us. It was not Lancelot. It was, it was, it was Night. Um But yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. So they start with falling the Green Man. Um, you know, he's f- taking him towards the eye, and and Rand's just kind of stuck on thinking about the thought of the dragon. Um, he's thinking about that and how the Greenman called him that. It's kind of bugging, bugging him a lot. And the Greenman begins giving out flowers to all the girls in their hair. Um, uh, the Greenman's kind of play him. Yeah. <laughs> he's fixing things. Play like, is going to play. Yeah. He's fixing things like branches and things along the way. It's kind of this happy scene. And Egwene and Rand smile at each other. And, and then it gets to this arch with the ancient symbol for Aes Sedai. So, Let's talk about this whole first opening scene, thoughts, whatever, um, as we move through the Greenman's Garden. I love how he's like, thoughts, whatever. He's so anxious to keep it moving because this is not his favorite spot. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's, sure. it's really the title Child of the Dragon. I, I want to know what that means. I mean, we all have our assumptions. My assumption was like, He's got to be uh, a descendant of, is it Lewin? How do you pronounce his name? Lewis Theron. So, like, that was a thought. But then I was like, is Child of Dragon another yeah. name for Ailman? Like, this is kind of the first time I remember, or maybe I just haven't been paying attention to the whole book, that this term has ever been used. So it's just really interesting. I think it's cool. So right, right in the beginning um... – you know, I, I was wanting to fly through it, but I, I tried to because I try to get first impressions highlighted so I, I can reference that when we're speaking here. But in the first four pages, like the only thing I highlighted um, was like in the third paragraph down, the thousands of burning oh, points piercing his bones had winked my out next thing. at the. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. The, the thousands of burning points piercing his bones had winked out at the very moment he came within the green man's domain. He was sure. It's him that winked them out, he thought. The green man in this place. And so, like, I'm, I'm trying to rush into this, and I'm already in a little bit of awe of who and what the green man is. But Jordan does this all throughout the book. He does this where it's not just a physical description but he talks about the emotions or the feelings from mostly the perspective of Rand in this book and, and how what he sees is, is making them feel. And so you as the reader also feel it. And so I'm starting this chapter knowing I get to read all the way to the end. So I have this anxiety like, well, all this great stuff's going to happen. But even just reading that even kind of mellowed me out. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Take a time or take your time to appreciate like – who the green man is and this space that you've come into and, and the feeling that these folks have and how there's a purity to it. And it's just a very natural, like just basic built around nature kind of vibe sort of thing. And I don't know, like it kind of, I don't know. I had my hippie moment without smoking up or anything, but it was, it was, it, it kind of slowed me down a little bit, at least briefly until things escalate. Well, I like completely agree with you. The imagery that he uses, the detail and the very specific flowers that he has uh, put into each girl's hair, like Jordan took the time. Now, mind you, it bothered me that he did not capitalize proper nouns, but 
he did take the time to, you know, research flowers and to kind of pair these flowers with the the look that he wanted us to have of each individual lady. And then, of course, he paired them with his belief on their attitudes. And it also shows the insight that the green man had. Because here he didn't know any of the, well, he knew um, Moraine, but he knew nothing of Egwene and Nynaeve. But he still was able to kind of match them and their persona with these beautiful flowers, the pink wild rose and the yellow bell and the white morning star. So, you know, and then the wisdom spray seemed to have a garden of pink and white to her waist. So the very descriptive, very specific flowers. You know, he put a lot of thought into very small details, which I appreciate, except for the fact that he doesn't know how to capitalize things. (laughs) (laughs) And so what also when you consider the green man, how long he's been there and his his knowledge, even though, you know, we have evidence that his memory is kind of fragmented at this point. But his knowledge of just like the whole history of time and the wheel and in all the many ages, he probably understands like the gravity of the moment. And yet the green man tended his forest garden as he walked while he talked softly to Moraine, taking care of whatever needed care without really thinking about it. Like, yes, there's this big event going on. And he he talked about how the blight was trying harder and harder to get into his space. But his mission was still the same. You know, he protected what he needed to protect. And part of his being was to care for the natural things around him. And, and he never wavered. Well, he even made, the that green man of, made this statement, all things must grow where they are according to the pattern. And face the turning mm-hmm. of the wheel, but the creator will not mind if I give just a little help. Now, and, and when reading that statement, yeah. I was like, he's currently talking about these flowers but i think there's the implicit i'm going to help the pattern along with our tavering yeah interesting i was going to ask you guys because you're kind of expanding on this a little bit i'm I'm curious like who do you think like what do you think the green man's origin is where does he come from like what are his powers like what i'm curious a little deeper on what you think of that ah man so so, I mean, I thought about this a little bit. He is more a being that existed, like, from the beginning of creation. You know, in all sorts of religions, uh, even, like, the Christian religion, like, some people think about, like, oh, there's just a snap and everything was as it is now. But I look at it more as, like, there's a gradual progression. And... So maybe the green man was a creation from like the first turn of the wheel. Uh, maybe similar to like how the 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 wolfmen or wolf brothers seem to be this uh, power or relationship between man and wolf that existed outside of the true power, or maybe even before it. It's it's something more ancient. Um, and I guess after the many turnings of the wheel, like there's there's fewer and fewer of them to the point where he's the last one. Um, so I kind of lump it in the same category as our our pairing ability, maybe more ancient than his, but something from kind of the the first turn of the wheel, if there if there ever was one. I guess we're supposed to be thinking about that as infinite time, but yeah. there had to be a beginning like at a, some point. There are no beginnings. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> 
we'll have a philosophical talk with Jordan uh, much later in my existence, <laughs> not in this body, but sure. There's always a beginning. An anthropomorphic, <laughs> I think that's the term, individual. And I think, you know, this is kind of a nod back to Tolkien and the ants. Um, as far as, yeah, yeah as far as where he sure. comes from in the regard to the scheme of things with Wheel of Time, I don't know that we've really encountered a being like this before, but it's assumed that maybe he was, like you were saying, uh, Ian, one of the original creations of the creator, and maybe his task was to do exactly what he was doing in this world of his, which is essentially to create to allow to help things grow maybe he was that maybe their race was like the originator of earth if we want to take it that far yeah Yeah. if you think if you think of the creator as the top dog um the creator either uh allowed for the dark one to exist or Pretty much everything should fall underneath them. So, so if there's a dark one allowed to exist, if there's a shadow that can exist within this within this creation, there's also beings that um, work for the light or help develop the light side. So, you know, if 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 you got a shadow creator, you got a light creator. If you got, um, you you know, a, a dark side per se. I always say dark side, but maybe that's not the right terminology. That is blighting this shit up and making it very blighty, well, then you got a green man that is making shit bloom and changing plants and brightening up a little bit. And there's a constant struggle, give and take, back and forth between the two. I gotta use that one. I gotta use that one again. Yeah. 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 If if somebody jumps in a chat and is just being a total a-hole, be like, yo, don't come in here and just blighten up this chat. Like, that's, come on, man. There you go. Take that business somewhere else. So, yeah. So, after we get to this past this scene, we get to the archway that leads down to the eye. And we we get the description of the eye when we get down there. We also get a a story about how the eye was made. So, that's the next thing I wanted to talk about, which is pretty, I think, epic. So, you know, it's 100 eyes and eye, men and women together, all channeling together to cleanse the male half of the source and make a giant pool of sardine. Um, um, And they all died in the process of making it. So, all right, nope, Chris, I'm letting you go first this time. <laughs> Hold on. That's, yeah. Well, I, I think it's very interesting first, we, before we even go that far, there's still mention of Avindasora. Um, so I want to know what greater role that's going to play in the books. Um, and I may be reading into things, but when it keeps being brought up, and it's definitely something that's being looked for, I'm, I'm like, uh, you know, what's... What is the purpose? Um, and then um, you're laughing. So that means there's something. There is there is a purpose. Sure. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Son of a git. That's the most sure. solid sure we've had in how many chapters now? Sure. He just sured you so good. Well done, Chris. Um, Nail on the head. <laughs> not like it was in the first days of the breaking of the world when the joy of victory over the Dark One turned bitter with the knowledge that all might yet be shattered by the weight of the shadow. So it's almost like implied that the dark one and the shadow are definitely two are, are two separate forces almost. And it's like, well, you know, we think of them as one and the same, but 
here, it, it kind of makes it seem a little different. It said, a hundred of them made it, men and women together. The greatest Aes Sedai works were always done. So joining Sadin and Sadar as the true source is joined. So it just kind of goes to show that the, the unification of uh, male and females ultimately create some of the greatest things in the world, which is pretty cool. That's just a great concept to me. The fact that they all died to make it pure while the world was torn around them, that statement really draws my attention because it just shows the the severity or the 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 depth of what it was that they were doing, that they were literally ripping the world apart to stop this darkness, which also begs the question, how is the darkness almost so much greater than the light that it took so many lives to just contain it, not even to end it? That just, you know, scares me a little bit. And I said, knowing they would die, they charged me to guard it against the need to come. So, you know, his whole existence in this moment was to protect something. And it's like, what what is the eye that makes it so important that he's protecting it? And what is the need that is to come? Like, it's really hard to think that this, whatever it is, is going to directly address the situation. But we don't know. We still have 14 books to go through. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> uh, and then he made the statement, it, is, it was not what I was made for, but I have kept the faith. Which just goes to show that he had a, a purpose yeah. in his life, but whatever it is that he's protecting is worth so much more that he gave up his purpose. And now he is working towards that of theirs because he said, I've kept the faith until it was needed and now it ends so what is it that ends you know we have this whole concept that time has no beginning or end or time maybe does have an end and then new beginning or maybe there's no concept of beginning and end at all but and maybe time isn't really a thing or maybe we can go back and forth in it like so many questions <laughs> have been brought up reading this book that it's just like i don't even know if i'm gonna watch anymore <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pretty simple they call the creator the creator because the creator created and if the creator created there was a moment of creation so i'm just gonna leave it at that i think therefore i am <laughs> <laughs> exactly but, but who created the creator Ooh. the creator was begotten and that's a word that's a word that we made up uh, a couple thousand years ago in our own history because we couldn't answer so, that question. Let, let's, let's go, <laughs> as I said, they were all hopping on me in the chat about going deeper, but let's let's take that question deeper again because you, everything, you, you just quoted the green man talking about his purpose and all that. Does that change anything about the question that I asked you before in your perception, at least, about who he is, what he's doing? Like, because, you know, he's saying this wasn't my purpose. Well, what was his purpose? Well, again, I think his purpose was to continue the creation and potentially to hold off the blight. I mean, if we look at the world itself that he was in, that he was creating, assuming it was maybe a parallel dimension, maybe he was creating a new world. Maybe he was like, so two thoughts. And let me take a step back. 
first thought, maybe his goal was to hold off the blight in the world. And he was pulled away from his job of holding off the blight by creating, you know, life to then guard this thing in another dimension. Or maybe his job was to, in a parallel dimension, create a world that could be, or maybe he was essentially part of the creator's thought of creating multiple worlds because in my mind now we're, we're looking at multiple dimensions maybe that was his job all along but he stopped and took the time to just guard this thing because whatever it is that they are battling is enough to destroy not just the current world or time that they are in but all the worlds or all the times well pause for a second because before it gets crazy, I need to check and see if these floaties are Coast Guard certified. <laughs> Let me just. You're talk about floaters for a minute. Let me just Go look. Ahead. Okay, no, we're we're good. We're good. Yeah, we're good. Hmm. So, well, and this is the danger with letting Chris go first sometimes because then I sound like, man, <clears throat> I don't know if my thought is my my thought is nowhere near as as in depth as that, but I I I, I go back to my impression of him like it's not that this creator snapped his fingers and boof everything was in existence the way he wanted it there were things that needed to play out uh over time and so the green man and you know he's the last of his kind so there used to be more of his kind at some point uh their job was to grow things and like I said, there's that balance of the light versus the dark or the light versus the shadow. Um, and and they were they were part of that process of creating this world that we live in, like the actual physical uh, nature side of this world. Uh, and so that's probably why he was, even though, you know, this task was not what he was made for and that's not what his mission was, why he was so willing to go along with it. I mean, unless the creator himself commanded him to do it, like, why else would he do it? Unless he saw the the growing of the shadow as a threat towards his main purpose. Hmm. Uh, and so that why he that's that's why perhaps he was so willing to tag along, be like, look, uh, these human beings here and their little magical powers, they're trying to fight off this pretty big shadow thing that's kind of messing up the things I was tasked to to. Uh, create or encourage to grow so that that's not his mission but still you know we keeping with his mission to help sound him very out. lazy no philosophically deep think about it this way if if i had infinite powers to create whatever i wanted and i just snapped my fingers and there's a world that existed where everybody sang my praises and bowed down to me that'd be cool for like a day and then they would annoy the piss out of me because i'd be like dang it you're you're all about me, but that's only because I made you that way. So if life is complicated and if there are choices to be made and if there's temptations to not choose me, then when you do or when you succeed or when the light wins, there, there's more, even as an omnipotent being, like there, there's more enjoyment in that. Mm-hmm. Well, we could, we could probably talk about the the, the... – Philosophy <laughs> of the eye for for hours, but in, oh, in, in, in yeah. essence, that could be a whole, a whole, a whole, a whole, a whole uh, Discord page. That. 
But we okay, so they leave the eye, they go back out because Moraine says, Let's go ahead and go back out. And when they get out, they hear voices and two men walking up towards them. You like um, literally skipped and, over the eye. You know, they so. said, <laughs> yeah, Let's just bag it up just a little bit because I again, bit. being the imagery person, I appreciate the way that the words were put together. The oval shape of an eye, the pool was lined about its rim with a low, flat edge of crystal that glowed with a duller yet fiercer, which is an oxymoron, light than those above. Its surface was as smooth as glass and as clear as wine spring water. It ran felt as if his eyes could penetrate it forever, but he could not see any bottom. And then, of course, Matt's the dingus. But what is it? That looks like, it doesn't look like any water I've ever seen. And he kicked a lump of I Kicks thought rocks. you would appreciate that. That's why I wanted to back up specifically for Matt's reaction. Like, we have the old Matt back, which is awesome. And then he's like, no, I'm just going to kick a rock into the eye of the world. The one thing that we've been looking for the entire book that's supposed to hold some ultimate power. God, Matt, I feel like he's going to kill himself by the third book. That's you know, not. You know, that's. A... <laughs> That, that 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 I mean that's the first thing you ever do when you see a pool of water, right? You just throw a rock into it, right? That's that's I mean that's what I've always. That's the way I was raised, yeah. so it wasn't too surprising. But I I do get what you're saying. Like I thought about it also with like the gravity of the situation, and he just went to like this is this is it. This what is this? Right. This is what kicks rock. Yeah. Boom. Oh but, wait a minute, it's not like regular water. It's like this is some crazy shit. So it's similar story. Um, our similar type experience, we're throwing rocks into places you shouldn't throw rocks into. Um, so when I was in Indonesia on the island of Flores, there's volcanoes. You can hike up to the top to the rim of the volcano. And the volcanoes are dormant. They're not dead. Uh, they're just dormant. They can't erupt at any time, but they have lakes in them because over time, you know, water builds up and they're really colorful lakes. But so we spent all day hiking up to the rim of this volcano and fog is clouds everywhere so we couldn't actually see down into the cauldron um so what's the first thing i do is i pick a rock and throw it into the cauldron <laughs> <laughs> i wonder what this will do yeah see see if there's there's i mean obviously it's not gonna create a volcanic explosion by throwing a rock in there but still like there's whole there's signs like do not throw anything in and the first thing i do is pick a rock and <laughs> throw it into the fog <laughs> And and realized how far the cliff was I was standing on the edge of and backed away because how long it took to hear at the bottom. Um, and then the, the but yeah, that's uh... <laughs> yeah. I, I remember one of the other guys on the trip writing about that and saying that <laughs> like doing it was a lot of fun and a little little anxious, little anxiety. But after the fact, like literally, if you sneezed and leaned too far one way, like you would just stumble to your death. Oh yeah. And, and once the fog cleared, we realized how like stupid we were for being more, like we were actually out on a ledge and we had no idea because there was fog everywhere. And like, once the fog cleared, we came back to the same spot and the place where we were, we went past the safety fence and like, yeah. We were like, yeah, we should not have done that. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> well, then like the last you. point that I really <laughs> like is when Moraine actually like expresses, she said it might be called the essence of Sidene, the essence of the male half, the true source, the pure essence of the power wielded by man before the time of madness. Now, this is the sentence that really caught my attention. The power to mend the seal on the dark one's prison or to break it open completely. 
I just want that sentence to be thought about and focused on and dun, dun, dun. how we can move forward. Yeah, and of all the choices we've joked on, I, I think that is the choice Rand is going to face throughout this series. Hmm. Um, and do I do I go to to Viren after this, or do I run off on my own? Do I trust this Aes Sedai who's been trying to help me? Or when Tom hmm. comes back as Tom the White, do I run with him? Or you know, do I decide to just sign up with the dark friends or whatever the next person who takes Balsamon's place because it's just easier. Like whatever he decides, the powers kind of now, well, at the end of this book, I believe it's riding with him. So wherever he goes, the, the fate's going to go. All right. So at this point, they do finally leave. Uh, they turn around, they leave the eye, they go back out. And this is where we run into these two individuals that are walking up to him. Um, and of course they pointed at Matt said, you know, he guided us to, to you guys and, and Moraine immediately asked, who are you? They push back their hoods and you get the descriptions of these two old men and they're, they're Agonor and Bathamal. Bathamal. Yeah. Which are two forsaken. An old We've talked about forsaken before. These, these enemy, are, but he dun, dun, is dun. not the one we seek. Did you, did that? Sentence? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. They, yeah, they gave a quick nod to. I'm assuming, uh, the dagger and more death through Matt, but hmm. kind of gives emphasis to, uh, you know how their relationship with that type of evil has changed over time. Yes, it's an old thing, and at one point an old friend, but also an old enemy. But still, at this point, not significant. Brushes but then also, like for me, I thought an old thing. Clearly, we're talking about the dagger, an old friend, more depth potentially, an old enemy. They're talking about the Manethrin blood. Huh. Oh. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 I never. I wasn't thinking that, but that actually rings like, a you, solid you bell when you say that. Just the the essence of Matt in general and how complex of a character he is though he comes off as like the easygoing carefree which he is we don't know enough of his story yet so like you can write that down like i think that they weren't just referencing the dagger but i think they're referencing matt and his heritage and what matt it will potentially become you know The king. Well, Matt is an onion. Matt has layers. <laughs> you have to peel back the layers. So, yeah, we meet some Forsaken. Uh, they've been in prison for 3,000 years. Uh, we've heard, we heard, I think, in the first couple of chapters about Forsaken um, that, you know, they're kind of like these kids' tales, um, you know, nightmares that I mean, are, are things that people tell their kids, you know, like old wives' tales to scare kids. But, um, um, and, you know, and Matt doesn't even believe that they're really forsaken at all. You know, so the forsaken are bound and loyals even sh- starts to shake and scared. And Ogier is sh- scared. Um, and, and they respond back saying, you know, we were bound. Yeah, it's, we were bound. Um, Some of us them. are bound no longer. The seal weakens Aes Sedai like Ishmael. We walk the world again and soon the rest of us will come. I was too close to this world in my captivity. I and... Balthamel, I did not pronounce that right, I know. To close, thank you. To close to the grinding of the wheel, 
but soon the great Lord of the dark will be free and give us new flesh and the world will be ours once more. So we only have two out of the three right now that are walking the world in our presence. So Mm -hmm. that right there, of course, being that the book has been out for how many years, we know that there's plenty to do, plenty to read. But if I was reading this book for the first time and this was when the book first came out and I knew how many pages were left, I was like, oh, snap, we, we have a whole lot more to dig into. That would have been my thought. Sure. But anyway, I just, just thought that was pretty cool, pretty interesting. Yeah. And then the, so, the idea that there's levels to so yeah. their to their entrapment is another thing that really grass holds. So like these guys, they said they were close to the world. So does that mean they weren't as far into the power? Like they were more human than they were connected to right. the dark one. So like what type of horrors are we going to see over the next 13 books? All right, so I get well, Chris. Let's uh, flip the 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 script here. So I I have a question for our host and co-host that have read all of these books. So Alan mentioned, okay, sure. so this isn't our first time here in the Forsaken, and he's probably right. But when it was mentioned, it was so early on that you and I were just drinking from a fire hose. So like I didn't catch on to it at all. Like it, to me, this was almost the first time. I read about the Forsaken. So like, am I way off in that? Or can y'all reach back to your first time reading? Like when you read this, where you were like, oh yeah, this was mentioned back in chapter three, page, whatever. Or was it like on a reread where you were like, oh yeah, they, he did hint at that early on. Cause it, are you, this was are almost, you talking about the, the concept of the Forsaken or are you saying like their names or what, what are you? So, so both. Cause like, Matt and Loyal seem to kind of recognize their names almost instantly, but just the Forsaken in general. So in general, but then also those specific names. Like, did I totally miss something? Like even I. The, the, the names are first. The names appear for the first time here. Mm-hmm. They, I, I believe so, but the, but the name like Ishamel uh, was in the very beginning. My head. In the very um, beginning, they guess, went. They pretty much went over the fairy tales. It's kind of like the Grim Tales. So, like, they kind of discussed the Forsaken in the same vein as they would a story that would be told by, you know, somebody like our our, our, our white wizard that's soon to come back, like like Tom would talk about. And uh, mm-hmm. they called them essentially children's tales or what, like, to scare yeah, them. Their names are definitely like, yeah. mentioned earlier. All right, I see. I got to... Okay. And I need yeah. a control F. I need a search. I need a PDF. <laughs> I need a reread. <laughs> so, I mean, it sprinkles about the Forsaken throughout the book. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't. It, they're not as prominent as Trollocs and Faith, Obviously, they keep, those are everywhere throughout the first book. But they mention the yeah, Forsaken when, quite. When it's sprinkled times. in there without really um, good explanation of what they are, or what they can do, or anything like that, at least is me. Maybe I'm a lazy reader. I just kind of speed through that because I'm eager for the action. So I'm like, okay, brief description that doesn't tell me much. Let me move on. So it's, I I don't know. I guess it just, it's not till here that it hits me. And I'm like, oh, I should pay, I should pay attention to these guys. This is a big deal. Welcome to the wheel of time. (laughs) Oh, oh, wait, I was supposed to pay attention to that. (laughs) So I'll say, I think this is a fairly non, actually not fairly. This is a totally non-spoiler comment, but, 
what Robert Jordan does really well, and you guys are seeing this as an example, there are there are things that are casually mentioned that have greater importance than you ever realize that you don't think are important at the time. And he does that throughout the books. Mm-hmm. So, like, this is an example of that, right? A small example, but it's certainly an example of it. And I don't know. I think it's a cool part of the reading. I think this is why people, like, you guys are on your first read-through. I think, personally, I mean, I've read a lot of books, a lot of series. I think The Wheel of Time is the most re-readable series ever, in my opinion. I can see that. And it's because every time you read it, you catch more. Yeah, There are people in the chat right now that are having the same questions that you guys do about this that have read the books three times. Like that's just the nature of these books. Oh, so, lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, so the answers right. don't come easy. Meh. Yeah. Not always. And um, it depends <laughs> on how you think. Like I, I'm definitely yeah. a system, you know, type person. So we discuss the levels of, you know, the hierarchy in regards to Bialzaman's army. And the Forsaken were mentioned when we talked about that three times. Mm -hmm. So for me, that stuck in my mind. Mm -hmm. You know, just that instance. And then talking about those small details that um, come forth to greater things. Like, from the very beginning, we joked about it. But Patton Fane's reaction to everybody finding him hiding with the horses. And rather than staying with the crew, he ran. Like, he didn't stay where his protection was with the eyes mm-hmm. to die. He ran away. So, like, right away, that mm-hmm. was a red flag for me. Like, why is he running away kind of towards the issue? Unless he was more comfortable being there than he was where he is now. Like, if it were me and a group of people, one of which was the magic, one of which was a warrior, found me. I'm sticking with them because that's my best chance for survival. So it just yeah. goes to show how he, he sneaks those small details in, but they have great meaning. So we get to, we get to this next scene. Like I said, the first thing show up and we go into a, a action scene. Yeah. Land immediately goes into attack, which is like a child is just thrown aside. Um, you know, land this badass warrior that we've talked about so many times yeah. is nothing. Th- um, this is where I get nervous because uh, uh, we've made yeah. the comparisons to Martin and Game of Thrones before. And uh, you try to throw us for a loop about Tom dying, but he didn't die. He's coming back. Um, but at this point, when Lan, of all people, y'all have heard me talk about how much of a badass, how much I respect Land is. Uh, he just gets tossed like he's nothing. Immediately, I'm thinking, fuck, we're going to lose somebody. So is, is it going to be Lan? And then we move right into Nynaeve. And then Egwene's trying to be a hero. I don't know why she thinks she's a hero yet. She might one day be one, but she ain't there yet. Like, <laughs> one character after the other, I'm waiting for one of them to get, like, just tossed into a sharp object or head bashed or something because whatever. So I was kind of freaking out at this moment when he gets tossed. And, and and Land did hesitate before running it as well. So you know, we have to take that. That's 
I think part of the well, not I mean, I think he's still going as four. So, and like I said, Chris, when you talk about this at this point, you should not start bashing women like you normally do. I feel like maybe try a different approach. I know that's what you were talking about before we started recording, <laughs> but did you come up with something better, or was it, or were you still talk about how the women almost killed Land? Yeah, we're 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 just gonna we're gonna leave it where it's at. We're gonna let <laughs> let let dying. I'm just kidding. That one's on me. <laughs> That one's on me. That one's on me. They're just too emotional. You know? I think that's the oh man, yes. he went there. Yeah, yes. take the pressure off of me. Oh wow, I'm gonna move forward. <laughs> the other forsaken moved like a viper while her blows still fell. Bathamo's leather case hand darted out to seize her chin, fingers sinking into one cheek while thumb dug into the other driving the blood out with their pressure and raising the flesh in pale ridges. Like, this is a man that knows some action. That statement was just super cool. And the convulsion mm-hmm. rachnaniv from head to toe, like, or excuse me, a convulsion rachnaniv from head to toe as if she'd been mm-hmm. cracked like a whip. I mean, here's our badass Aes Sedai. Here is the one that has all of the answers and she's nothing like it's just super sad i felt bad and and then agonor even even adds another dagger in there by saying oh he's forgotten the pleasure or we've forgotten the pleasures of the flesh as he's holding naive obviously uh hinting to further so there's zombies (laughs) (laughs) sure (laughs) <laughs> um, and then Egwene goes to attack as well and Rand tackles her to stop because obviously uh, you know these two girls Nynaeve and Egwene um, you know they're they're brand new and knowing anything about the power but they're like headstrong and like and, and Rand's just like stop everyone stop and even Moraine is trying to get them all to stop um, uh, you know Matt and Perrin are trying to, trying to charge forward as well um, and, and Akinor just just smiles and puts up an invisible wall and stops them all and doesn't care. Uh, you know, it's, I mean, it's like, it's like he's playing with like, yeah, it's crazy know, to me that it's, Rand is the voice of reason here. Well, I guess Moraine tried to be also, but it doesn't matter what you thought up until the moment that Lan got tossed like a rag doll with this group. The moment you saw Rand get chucked into the wall Everybody else except for Moraine should have been like, well, there's nothing I can do. Like, so, I mean, I I joked about it and, and, uh, you know, Nablus, you mentioned the emotional reaction, but I, for the life of me, I I don't, I don't think Egwene or Nynaeve could be thinking that they were actually going to be able to do something like that was a hundred percent emotional response, you know, Nynaeve to avenge Lan and then Egwene to avenge Nynaeve, but they, man, they just all the bodies would have kept piling up. So, yeah. And at this point, Agador tells them all to bow to him, and the green man comes running out of the trees, saying, you know, not here. Um, you know, this is my space, get out. Um, you know, and Agador just barely spares the green man a glance and just says, you know, get out of here, pretty much. Um, yeah. At that point, Bathalma throws Nynaeve to the ground and it goes to attack the green man. And we get this great scene of Bathalma. Bathal- How is dying. it that the Forsaken here, they've been around for so long. 
how is it that they just give this like unconcerned glance at the green man like you know be thankful that you know we're you know what we're dealing with here is above you like we'll just ignore you going about your business how is it they didn't recognize him as a threat because clearly the green man f this dude up in the most awesome way so far and we haven't had a lot of deaths uh but this is the best one so far it's pretty fucking fantastic <laughs> interesting I don't know, Nablus. You're supposed to give me a solid answer and just I, I spoil away. I, 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 I pretend I, I, pretend I, I won't listen. This. Actually, I, I would venture well, to guess that most of the chat doesn't even know why. But like uh, the answer to that question, although it, it's a really good one that I want to answer, but I can't. Well, here's the, yeah, here's it just the so that caught me as odd. They were dismissive yeah. and he had that power. And yeah, go for it. So you're. So I think we need to revisit our timeline because the Forsaken, how long have they been around? It's assumed that the Forsaken have been around for as long as the Shadow, the Dark One, the Osman. Um, and if that's the case, then how do we know that they weren't there before the Green Man? Like maybe they were there when there were a number of green men and the green men were not as important and not as this one has been made to be like literally well, maybe maybe they've maybe they've never engaged in violence so they didn't think he was capable of it i guess that's possible but i i would think at this level you should be able to yeah. sense not just abilities, but connection to the source or connection to the creator. Like you should be able to feel the power of others. Uh, and they were just so nonchalant dismisses up dismissive of them. And yeah, it was a one for one. He had to kill himself to kill another, but still that's, uh, that's going toe to toe. That's no small thing. And I don't know that mm-hmm. that might not ever play out sure. anywhere in this series. We might not ever, hear anything about it but that was a question i had here like i don't know i mean i agree with your statement about him potentially being yeah. pacifist the agreement that is because he even gives them the op- he gives them the option to live he said live what life is left to you and be glad you are beneath our notice or excuse me that's what they said to him excuse me so like they yeah they have an awareness of him but mm-hmm. they're probably used to their power being so much greater which begs the question has the power of the shadow really been stifled that much um, that they didn't realize that their connection was so weak? Yeah, maybe. And, you know, if <laughs> with what they're doing yeah. right now, and seeing the fact that half of them are still locked up, like, and the fact that Bialzaman isn't strong enough to break this seal himself, they may not realize exactly the lack of extent of their power because they spoke with authority. Well, that's true. And then the other thing is, is that they weren't in the world. Um, and I say that in the sense that they weren't in the blight. They were in this alternate dimension time, whichever it is, because at this point I'm just slightly confused. They were right. in a space that was created for him, similar to like the... Um, Steedings being created for um, settings. I'm sorry, settings being created for Loyal and his group. Maybe there's some type of, you know, anti uh, something against their powers. Maybe there's some lack of connection to 
the shadow there because the shadow hadn't touched that area, like all around this area, which is, you know, an alternate space, the blight did not touch it. It was still spring. And you had the true source there untainted. So, yeah. So, yeah, Greenman kills. The best in a way. really epic way. Freaking amazing. Um, kills a Forsaken. Yeah. <laughs> gives him a big hug. You know, that's the best way to kill someone. Um, <laughs> yeah, he killed him kill with him kindness. kindness. <laughs> that, that's a t-shirt design. Someone take note. Killing with kindness. <laughs> and then a tree wrapping somebody up as fungus yeah. and thorns shoot out of his eyeballs. And flowers spread everywhere. It looks really pretty. But then, uh, of course, the sad part is the green man does die in the process and an oak is um is made into a grave a giant oak rapidly grows up where the green man was as his grave but we don't really have time to mourn it all because agonor is still there and he and he's getting says, stronger okay this is enough now um mm-hmm. yeah he's getting stronger like he looks younger getting stronger and moraine answers with an attack of fire and just takes the ground up underneath agonor and shoots up full fire and and Agonor just doesn't even phase him at all, just walks right out of the flames. It's like, okay. <laughs> at that point, Moraine yells for God. startled, but then he smiled and took a step forward. It was a slow step as if the fire tried to root him to the spot, but he took it and then another. Like, I can see this badass scene. I really can see a plan in my mind for a character that's going to last another two minutes. Yeah. It kind of just goes to show, in my mind, how bad yeah. acts of the scene it's going to be when Beelzebub finally steps out into the light or into the darkness, whichever we want to say. So, yeah. if if you if you so I wrote this down. I don't know if it plays out, but if you look at her power against the Forsaken, um. I, and I probably won't do a good job of putting this into words, but you know, you have the dark one that is locked up and you know, they, they place these seals and everything to lock them away forever, or at least that's what they were hoping, but her powers could not freeze him and hold him and bind him completely. The best she can do was slow him down. Really? I mean, all this other stuff about the fire and the, this and that and blah, blah, blah. That's just, you know, artistry right there. Really, all she did was slow down his steps. He couldn't move quite as fast. So maybe even all the male and female eyes to die, mm-hmm. all they were able to do in trying to lock up the Dark One, they didn't put a permanent seal on it. Whatever they placed, it, it was a time lock. It was only a matter of time until it just started slowly fading, eroding away, and they were able to start getting back to, I guess, normal speed, our speed, and operating back in this world. I checked my floodgates. They're good. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, and and of course, at this scene, Agonor goes to attack Egwene. Egwene tells, um, uh, throws a rock, or Ran throws a rock at Agonor and turns to dust. And then uh, he turns Egwene to run. They all run, and the chapter ends with Moraine screaming as they run away. So I didn't think we'd take this long on one chapter, but yeah, this is the end of the book. So it's a, <laughs> it's a lot. Um, Nabes, any anything from you, Nabeless? Anything um, you want to ask them um, before we move on to the next one? 
for sake of time, no. I, I have some things that we'll bring up here as we move on to the next chapter. So I'll just leave it at that for now. Anything you guys? Anything so you guys want to add from the perspective on? of people that are going to watch this show without ever having read the books? The end of this episode is going to be ridiculous. Like Moraine, who up until yeah. this point was the most badass being we've ran into, is getting her butt handed to her. All right, chapter fifty-seven, against the shadow. So we had the Avendus Horror Leaf again. So I don't think we have to talk about the icon, but we can talk about the name if you want to briefly. I think, like like Chris said, these chapter titles are pretty self-explanatory. But yeah. See, in my book, I've got the Heron Mark Blade, but you're right. We can move it. Oh, it is. I thought it was the Heron Mark Blade was 52. Okay, maybe I was wrong. You're good. So knowing what I know now, um. Looking at that sword, is that the Heron Mark Blade? Because I don't see a fucking Heron on it. I see a flame. Mm-hmm. So is this actually a symbol for, like, Rand's lightsaber arm? Like, <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know if there's a better description, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. Questions that shall re- remain unanswered. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. <clears throat> so, we'll get right into this chapter in sake of time. So, this, this episode is going to go long anyway, so might as well just keep it going. So, we're in this battle scene. So, Rand's running away at this point. The, the land's rising. It's getting steeper and steeper and steeper. It's to the point where there's brambles everywhere and thorns tearing out. I mean, scrambling, climbing, gets on all fours. And finally, he gets to the top and to his dismay, there's a giant cliff. Um, he's trapped with no way out. You know, He looks for a goat path. There's nothing there. Turns around and sees Agador, top of the hill, walking up the cliff or up the hill like it's level ground. Like it's nothing to him. Which is freaky as I'll get out. No, (laughs) no. So you're freaked out. I'm excited. You know why I'm excited? (laughs) Because two things have happened here. Uh, And and I know I've read to the end. So you could say, oh, he read to the end. And that's why he's saying this. But I felt this as I was reading. One, oh, Egwene. Oh, my gosh, Egwene. I have to save you. Run, Egwene. Oh, my gosh, Egwene. He loves Egwene, right? We get that. Two, he gets backed into a corner. Those two things happen, shit's about to get real. And I've been waiting for this, like, we've seen hints of it. Uh, The boom scene, um, the moment when he was about to pick a a fight with the uh, white cloaks. Like, we've just been on this precipice of Rand fighting his potential. And and now he's kind of in a scenario, like, the only, as I'm reading this, the only thing that could save him is, like, He's cowering, and then maybe Moraine comes around the corner and helps him out or something, but even she was shown to be useless. So, like, it's now or never. Um, and I'm assuming Rand continues on in future books. So I was excited because I I, I was betting on it being now. Now it was going to happen, and it did. I completely agree. And, you know, just based on the way he worded it, there has to be some way I'll go back and find a way around, go back and – Every time they have that italicized statement, the thought that it's occurring, 
you know something serious is about to happen. And then I love the response to his running. Um, Agnor was just, Bialzaman will give reward beyond mortal dreaming for the one who brings you to Shalgul. Yet my dreams have always been beyond those of other men. I have left mortality behind millennia ago. What different? <laughs> That's true. What difference if you serve the great lord of the dark, alive or dead? None. Just to the spread of the shadow. Excuse me. Why should I share power with you? Why should I bend knee to you? So that that statement right there really just kind of draws my attention because it's implied that it doesn't matter whether or not Rand is dead or alive to this, the shadow itself. So it's almost as like Agnor is serving the shadow and not the great Lord of the dark. So he's essentially for the spread of the darkness, not necessarily the one who supposedly controls it. So then the, that begs the question, does Beelzebub really have total control? Or are we looking at two separate forces here? And then I say that even further, because why should I bend need to you if the great Lord of the Dark has control over the living and the dead? then wouldn't he still have to bend the knee to Rand as Rand is manipulated into serving Biazman? Or is it just one of those metaphorical, metaphysical ideologies like you will serve him alive and you will serve him the way I do, and that means you have greater power than me because you are a threat and I might as well get rid of you because in your death, we can use the power that is linked to you that's kind of where my thoughts went with that. So, so I'm I'm getting this vibe, and it only answers or touches part of what you mentioned. I'm getting this vibe when we talk about the Great Lord of the Dark or Bialzaman or the Dark One, capital or lowercase, or however it's presented to us here. That there is a, I mean, the, there there are always two a a master and an apprentice, you know, of the Sith. There is you know, we've been focusing on Beazelman as like the the bad guy here, right? But Beazelman, uh, he might be the Lord of the Dark, but there's still the Dark. He might be, you know, the head of this group that's driving the power of the Shadow, but he's not the Shadow. There's still the Shadow. There's still the Master. There's still a level above that that um, we're fighting as well. So, yeah. So I I have a, a question actually for you first, Alan. Like sure. are we are we explaining concepts from like how far can I go? I, I don't think this is a spoiler. <laughs> Am I allowed to explain something that's happened that's revealed in the book? Yes. Okay. Yes, by like, means. it's not yeah. very clear. Yeah, if, if I if I miss something or whatever, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I, oh, oh. I think I'll wait till we get to the next part. But um, there, <laughs> he's preparing answer. himself. You guys are on to something. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. Maybe not what you think, <laughs> but you're on yeah. to something. It's, so, it's, it's never what we think. Jordan is actually that good. <laughs> yeah. 
So, so as as they're having this conversation with Agonor, Rand looks up and suddenly sees this glowing rope running off of Agonor off to some distance, um, and he, he's never seen this before. Uh, it, it's something weird that they know, and it, it, it's hard to even explain. It's really confusing. Like, but there's this glowing rope, and he sees it. It's pulsing, and every time it pulses, you can see Agonor getting getting stronger and younger. Um, it just, you know, it's giving him life and, um, and, and it starts calling to Rand and then one little wisp of it kind of breaks off and floats towards Rand and touches him. And as soon as it touches him, it's like a thousand suns, like just all this energy and light just fills him. And, and Agonor, of course, then gets really upset saying it's mine. And, um, that screen screams at him and, um, as, as Rand feels all his power growing and um and yeah and Agador tries to pull all that power back. So I really the, the I next really scene do we have. like that scene. Just part of it really grabs my attention. It's like a man as tall and strong as himself, a man harder than the water, more deadly than the blight. Yet beside that shining cord, the forsaken seemed almost not to exist. Uh, it was it was it was a hundred percent the cord that gave him the power that gave him that presence. I mean, without it, he was nothing or irrelevant. Well, and so, and where do you think where do you think the cord is going to? Okay, so this is where um, even just a brief reread, if you will. So I told you I, I read it, I listened to it, I read it again. I didn't think this the first time through, but when I read it through the second time. Um, you know, the, the forsaken were, they were excited to be able to whoop up on some Rand. They didn't care about anybody else, but they were also very excited about the eye and that's where their temptation came from. And that's when he started talking about how, um, you know, having access to that meant, you know, he could teach Rand and there's a power that he could draw from there. So where Rand was fighting the eye, when he was there, he was like, I'm going to back away as far as I can. I want to get out of there as soon as I can. When he was first in there, I don't think Ran made contact with that pure source, but the Forsaken did. And that's when the Forsaken started to grow in power. And as soon as Ran finally got backed into a corner, like we see here, he's like, all right, there's nowhere else for me to go. And that's when he notices that connection. And then he plucks a little bit of it. Whether intentionally or not, it, it, again, it could be a boom moment, like just in his greatest moment of need, as Moraine always talks about, it just happens. Like it, it needed to happen, and he plucked a little bit a little bit of that, and it was connected back to the eye, to that pure source. I, I'd like to bring interest <laughs> to something. or it, It's important, and hopefully everybody's read, so I'm going to go forward to go back because, you know, the wheel of time is a wheel of and it goes forwards and backwards. <laughs> There's no beginning or no end. There's so no if you read no book, end. if you read book six and you're going to quote it here, technically Alan can't be mad. <laughs> there is no beginning. <laughs> I know it's the last two sentences in the seventeenth book that hasn't been released yet. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to go ahead just a little no. bit. I want to bring attention to the fact that this corded power, first off is golden and not black. And I'll leave it at that. 
But then I also want to it's, yeah. bring to the very simple fact that the Forsaken was not attached to a power prior to drawing into the power of the eye. Yeah. So where did his strength come from originally? And we'll get back to the idea of gold and black a little bit later. How about that? Gosh, this is so tough. Like, I know my first time reading this, like, I was really confused. Like, oh, what the hell was going on? Yeah. But, like, like Ian said, um, he's he went back and reread it a bunch of times, and yeah, it makes sense. This after this whole yeah. sequence, guys, is I think one of the most confusing in all fifteen books. Yeah. But it does make sense. It's, but it's meant to be yes. that way. And but yeah, yes. I'll just. It's hard to. It's hard to talk about this because there are things that I don't want to bring up yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Well, sure. I mean, in my mind, like the Forsaken was still an Aes Sedai, correct? Well, see, that's what I was thinking. At least they and they have the ability to wield that power. Is it Sidar? Because Sidar is looking they got... to be wielded, weld whichever word's proper to use. So that power went to him because it felt a draw or an opportunity for an outlet. It's not like it can differentiate between, or at least I thought originally, like it could differentiate between good or evil, and maybe it can't. Maybe it's just looking for the greatest outlet to be let through. Yeah. And if we know that this power was, uh, you disagree? Okay, I do. I disagree. I so if if my theory is correct, um, I feel our Forsaken took advantage and manipulated, whereas Rand was still uh, not wanting it, and yet it came to him. But remember, they never entered the room. They never went. Yeah, close enough though. The door's open, close enough. He can a power like that. He could sense it. He knew it was there. He was. uh, I the way I read it, he was. He was able to draw on it, and I know I'm reading into that. Well, yeah, he. But there's there's a difference between him taking it and using it versus it, like literally, it jumped to Rand without Rand wanting it. It just it it was drawn to him. Well, here's my thought. Hmm. He is channeling this power, but the power itself actually left him for Rand as if it had its own conscious train of thought or being. Yeah, now on that, I can vibe with you there. So that's why I can't, in my mind, think that he manipulated it at all because if he was in control it wouldn't have been able to leave him oh man well now you just mind fuck me i was with you (laughs) and i'm not saying you're wrong because you're making good sense so i mean it even started to speak to rand before it was even attached it started to speak to rand 
And then it started to hmm. manipulate Rand. And as we go throughout the chapter, we're going to see that manipulation occur further and further to the point where Rand was no longer himself, but the power itself. Hmm. You're going to say, Nabal? Uh, so I was going to give some clarity, guys. Like, do you mind if I, because this stuff, I, I feel like the comments I'm about to make are self contained to this book. So. This is a really touchy yep. subject because there's a lot of things going on here that you will certainly understand better later, right? Yeah, um, mm-hmm. So I want to try. I'm like towing the line here about what I can say and what I can't. Um, <laughs> but to clarify, I think this part is clear if you reread it a couple times. Both Agenor mm-hmm. and Rand were pulling from the eye. Correct. So Agenor yeah. was mm-hmm. at first right. And then Rand somehow starts to see that, and un- inadvertently he begins to do the same thing, which causes Agenor to get pissy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So, I, I, like, to be clear, like, I don't. Neither of them was necessarily like it. It was not operating on its own. They mm-hmm. were. Rand just doesn't know what he's doing. Well, yeah, and it does say Rand yeah. pulsed with the beating in in the cord, like the heartbeat right. of the world. Like, it was just the way he worded it. He didn't say beating with the cord. He said in the cord. So, in my mind, yeah. it was like the cord wasn't of him, but he was of it. Like, he didn't have a conscious decision in that. But, again, you're the, you've read a lot further than I have, and I may find that I'm partially correct. I might find I'm completely off, but I, I read into every word sometimes. Well, do you think that's literal? Yeah. Do you think that's a literal statement, or is that Rand trying to describe what's going on? I, because the way Jordan uses italics when he's th- using or talking about or inferring to the self-conscious of the individual, my mind was that this is a description and not Rand's thought. Because Rand's okay. thought in that statement was at the end, it was a way. He wrapped the void around the nook, sheltered in emptiness, away. And then we have Rand's conscious it, thought. Well, yeah, he, he wants to go away, and then he, then he does go yeah. away. So, <laughs> then we move forward, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah See, it's this next confusing scene. Oh, do you have something to add? I was going to say, if if uh, Jordan provided a way to interpret it, it, to interpret it, to interpret the language of this source for the male power, the conversation in Rand's thoughts might have been more like a way. And then when Agnor cried mine, you hear in the background the source saying, I can get you away, but I could, I could also fuck up this Agnor guy. You want me to do that? And he says, away. And the light's like, okay, I'm going to fuck up this guy. And then where do you want to go? And he says, away. (laughs) And then poof, he's gone. So there is a conversation there. We're just not hearing the response of the source. Like Rand is is begging for it. He just doesn't know what he's asking for. And he he doesn't know how the source is responding to him. He's just desperate. That's why I mentioned the being backed into a corner. Nobody uh, backed baby in the corner. 
<laughs> well, well played. <laughs> nobody, nobody was baby here, in a corner. Here's my other thought, and, and this goes. I know we need to move forward to move backwards, but like, how do we know <laughs> that he's drawing on the eye of the world and not on another source of the same source? Like, he's ancient. He knows how to draw on the power itself. Maybe there was another connection. And Rand severed that connection, and then he just pooped. Oh, so you're suggesting that Rand has an untainted access to the source, regardless of the eye. I'm saying maybe even this Forsaken had an untainted source other than the eye that Rand just severed. I I don't Mm -hmm. know. Like, it's just, that's kind of where my thought went. And that's because of, there's no black thread attached and that again goes to us moving mm. forward into the chapter mm. okay so before we get to the black cord <laughs> um which is very good point and we'll talk more about this in a second but we get this awesome where rand is suddenly somewhere battle else so he wants to go with the tail end of the battle Armored men on armored horses, shining steel, dusty now, slashed and stabbed at snarling trollocs, wielding spiked axes and scythe like swords. Some men fought afoot, their horse down, and barred horses galloped through the fight with empty saddles. Fades moved among them. Like right. it, it is the most awesome battle scene so, yet in this book. <laughs> so let's let's think back to before Shadow Logoth, where there was, I think it was three fades, and each each of the three fades had a hundred trollocs. So there's like, or maybe they said there are five hundred trollocs, maybe a thousand trollocs at most. And this, there's a th- there's a hundred fades. So so I, my math is fuzzy. That's like two hundred trollocs, right? <laughs> so if you're talking a hundred to two hundred trollocs per fade, a hundred fades, yeah. Um, Twitter thousand, yeah, yeah. two thousand, yeah. Um, it's a huge battle scene. So, yeah, it's a huge battle scene, and they are way out. That the 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 north the borderland people on the other side of the Tarwin's Gap are hundred percent outnumbered. Like, there's no way they're going to win this battle. Like, there's just the the sheer numbers don't work. Well, and outside um, of this, the lead up to this, all of our people going out there pretty much knew they were going to die. This was the what they it's like they knew this was the one they were going to lose, except for our one super optimistic young guy who apparently missed the battle. Anyways, everybody kind of thought this was the one they they weren't going to win anyways. Yeah. So even when he shows up, like at least in my mind, <clears throat> as I'm reading it, he shows up to a battle that they're going to fight the battle that can't be won. They're going to stand their ground, even though they know they're going to get their asses handed to them. And this is his time to shine. Right. And then, and then the, the soldiers start to notice Rand. Yeah. You know, some of the soldiers on the, the Shinarin start to point at Rand. And, shimmered uh, and then he noticed the. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. He shimmered in. Um, so we just have him. That's not significant. Not at all. Period. <laughs> like he just. <laughs> I'm here. Okay. Like that's literally what it was like. It was like I'm I'm watching. So he was in essence. Like he wasn't there physically. Right. He was there metaphysically. And then he was just like willed there. He shimmered in. And so he moved yeah. across time and space 
to be at this battle. Okay. And at that point, because he saw the importance of what was going on, he decided to do something about what was happening. He said, because yeah. he stared at them, heat That's filled right. him, the burning heat of the touched sun, which is a really interesting way of putting it, the burning heat of the touched sun. I just, that's really cool. Just sounds awesome. He said he could see the Jahar yeah. clearly, soulless eyes and pale men's face on winged bodies that had nothing of humanity about them. Terrified heat, crackling heat. I just, yeah. that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. So these six Drakkar fly down at him and he shoots lightning, burns them out of the sky. And then at that point, he grabs the grass and he's just writhing in pain and shoots out fire towards towards the Trolloc army and then follows it with a wall of earth. Um, it's just this epic scene of just And this chaos. is like, so this point right here is what leads me to believe and it could just be his inability to control the source, but the source is using him as a tool, almost as if an Aes Sedai would use one of the, what's the word? It starts with an A. Angriol. Angriol. Thank you. So okay. like the source itself used him as an Angriol, just a way to channel its own power to end the evil that was in front of it. Because he was not for it. He was against it. He begged, please no. But he flipped. It, so he has this, there's there's a conflict inside of him. Yes, he's saying no, but the, the no and the please no, that's a reaction to him using the source. So re, if you go back to Moraine explaining to the girls about how the first time, maybe a little bit later, you feel a little bit ill, and the second time... It's a little bit sooner. And then eventually you get to the point where the moment you use it, immediately you have that that reaction if you're not trained properly. Uh, and for guys, you just get closer and closer to going crazy. Well, now we've seen where he's used it a couple times throughout this book. And I, I, won't, I won't spoil your big uh, celebration we're going to have for you, Chris, but you nailed one right on the head um, with uh, – Rand healing Bella, uh, but then later get sick after it. But now it's happening immediately. So he's using it. And then the no, please no, is his immediate reaction, just the pain and the agony of having touched the source and used it. But at the hmm. same time, his own internal willpower, he knows this has to end. And he goes from no, please no, to it has to end. So he goes from uh, the pain to screw this we're we're gonna we're gonna end this shit now we're gonna well, fuck here's it up another now. thought and I, I hate that i'm gonna do it but i'm i'm gonna travel in time again time I'm traveling, traveling Chris. Chris tonight now instead of going backwards i'm going forwards and i can't not do it think about the do interaction it. with the fade that's about to come up And think about other reasons why he may be saying no, please no. And then it has to end. Maybe he doesn't want the power to do what it is doing because he sees other options. 
maybe there's mm. a little bit of enlightenment yeah. in the craze. And I'll leave it at that. How many times do you I, I obviously I missed a couple of these episodes, but did you guys how many times do you think Rand did channel in the book? They, they, they got it every, every time. Good. Good. <laughs> every time. So you, yeah. you am I understanding right? <laughs> do you think the, the source is controlling Rand, not the other way around? In this moment, yes. And in the prior moments, he was crying out to the source so it allowed him use or access. So I look at it two ways. I think consciously and outwardly in what he speaks and even in his mind when he speaks to himself, he doesn't want anything to do with it. But on that subconscious level, there are there are things, there are principles, there are th- things that he cares about so deeply that he he allows himself to channel in order to protect. So them. this is fairly but, self-contained. So again, I don't feel like this is a spoiler to point this out because this is all you guys have now finished the book. No. So like mm-hmm. the think about how they describe like Moraine does this early on. Oh, so let me say it first before you like, do what? it. Hold on. Before you go. Yeah, go ahead. I had a statement I was going to make. Moraine makes a statement about the angry owl. And she said, things do not have power. Right. We just channel. But when you use the word things, that implies a noun and people are nouns. And again, this is me reading semantically and lexiconically. And then if you think about the fact that we just channel, channeling doesn't infer that we have the power. It means we allow it to flow through us. Just like a river is channeled through land, it's not the river that has water. It's the ocean that's the water. Every river leads back to a greater source. Oh, goodness. You are, it's so funny to hear you guys talk no. about this for the first time because you're going to love the next couple books. So I'll leave that part of that. But uh, <laughs> at least he said next couple oh, yeah. of books. Like sometimes Alec goes, wait till so book if you seven. Guys, if, you guys are familiar, <laughs> if you guys are familiar, like, uh, Eye of the World is very much kind of a soft magic system in the sense that a lot of it isn't defined. Um, in the future, right. it becomes more defined. And so a lot of these questions <laughs> get answered. But so, but I, one part mm-hmm. that is defined that I want to come back to that Moraine says at the beginning of the book. Okay, she's explaining to Nynaeve actually about how she channeled, right? Yes. And Nynaeve didn't know it. Did Nynaeve know that she could channel? Before Maureen no. explained, and so no. how did it happen? Well, it's because she wanted something more than she ever wanted anything. She doesn't like. It was a yes. desperation. So that tends to be how people channel for the first time. Now go back to Rand. The times that he channeled, what were this? What were the occasions? All desperation. Near death. Was, oh, oh yeah. he was Possum a possum in a corner. corner every time. And so when now in, at the eye of the world, when did he channel? First. When he was near death. It was out of desperation. When Agenor shows up, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah. each of these times, does uh, this is the thing I want to point out to you guys, Like, because this is defined, and this is part of Robert Jordan's writing style too, right? But this book is mostly from Rand's point of view. Like there's very few point of views from other characters. Mm-hmm. You are getting Rand's yeah, interpretation right. of everything that is going on. 
one of the reasons that this ending of this book is difficult to understand is because you're getting it from Rand's point of view. Which sucks because when you think about it, him being the how did how did you describe it? The the reluctant yeah. hero. Yes, the reluctant he is hero. he is fighting it one hundred percent of the way. The fact that we have him in one paragraph screaming "No, please, no," but uh, another short paragraph later, it's it has to end. Well, and even where yeah, he's kind of opening that dam just a little bit for the power to come through, like, well, it has to end. So see, let's do I, this. I, I took that a different yeah. way. I didn't see that as him saying this. That when I took when I read that has to end, I felt like it was him saying that he wants an end to the pain for himself. Well, probably both. Well, I, think well, I, I would say you guys are but, saying but reluctant the fact... hero, and I would probably say maybe not reluctant hero, but reluctant about what he's doing. Yeah. Right? Like, what is it that he's doing, and what well, is the, yeah, what's yeah. the implication of that? But, like, how has that been set up to this point? You gotta, yeah, you got to think about culturally in this world, that a man channeling is the worst thing in the, I mean, that's literally like, um, I, I, I'm trying to think into a modern day example of what that would be. Well, but, we, we don't, we don't need a modern day example. Yeah. Let's, let's, it, let's pull a new Chris and fast forward instead of rewind. Yeah. Nynaeve's first words to Rand after finding out what happened is you're dangerous. Right. That's it. That's the culture right there. And he and he knew it. Yeah. And he knew it. So he's, he's fighting this because he knew he'd be ostracized. Yeah. He knew it was a death sentence. It was there was nothing mm-hmm. good that could come of this happening. So yeah. good point, Nablus. Like that's what that's that's also what he's fighting. Not just the pain and the reaction to it, but what does this mean for his friendships, his ever going home, his being with Egwene, his what, how everybody's going to look at him. Well, we find that out before the end of this book. Even the people that think they kind of understand, they look at him different. It changes. Mm-hmm. Everybody changes yeah, 100%. Fast forward us. Yep. Let's go. Yeah. So, okay. So, yeah. So the Trolloc army, uh, you know, gets completely decimated now by, by Rand's, you know, uh, Send out waves of earth and I mean, just destroys everything. And then suddenly a voice comes into uh, Rand's head. It's just like like a bell ringing. And uh, it's not here. A bell or a bell? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a voice comes into his head saying, It's not here. I will take no part um, that, you know, you have to choose. And, and these steps appear in front of them. So, yeah, one of the questions that everyone always asks the first time reading this is, "What, where, who, what is this voice? Who is it?" Um, it wasn't his own. Um, and 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 I mean, I can tell you this: it never gets officially answered. Well, and so you, you met. So don't lead us though. You say it uh, wasn't its own, or it wasn't his own, but maybe it's it, the but, that. but maybe it is his own, but not his <laughs> own that he recognizes. So I, I okay. wrote I wrote next to it creator question mark. Um, okay. But then doing the reread again about and and talk of him being the dragon reborn, and then trying to understand what the dragon truly is, the representative for the light 
like Biazoman is the representative for the dark. And if Biazoman has this ability to not just exist for many turns of the wheel, but have an understanding and a, a memory of all those turns and all the different interactions with Rand and the, and the former versions of Rand or the former Neos, as I talk about like in my matrix uh, nods, <laughs> no, it's is it not possible that it's a echo of himself that has learned from all the previous failures an echo of himself talking to himself saying no not yet not here this isn't the battle i know you're ready for it i know you want this to be it but this isn't it there's more i don't know i don't know more wine might answer that question and so i shall sip (laughs) Did I just totally blow your blown. mind, Nablus? Did I just make... <laughs> there we go. Do you want the red pill or do you want the blue pill? Because I'm drinking yeah. red wine. I mean, pill. I, I don't know. Wait, hold on. Um, yeah. Chris, any thoughts you about this? In voice already. This is where my thought that the power, the true source is channeling through them and it made a conscious decision. It's like I will take no part only the mm-hmm. chosen one can do what must be done, if you will. But he's like, it's not here. And what it is, is its enemy. And that is the darkness. Hmm. Yeah. Sure. Mm. So steps of fear appear in front of Rand. Um, and Rand hears the charge coming from behind him. So he runs up the steps and all of a sudden he's in complete darkness all around him. The cord's still there, but everything else is darkness. And then a door appears in front of him, a door that he recognizes uh, from his dreams. Um, he touches it. It bursts apart, and he's back in the Alzheimer's room from his dreams. And and one thing I will point out that you might not have caught your first time reading through, but he looks at the, he looks at the mirror, and his reflection is completely clear. It was, it was blurry in every other dream, but now his reflection is completely clear. You know what's and, awesome about that? So I totally picked up on that, but so in the story, his it's a little bit more clear what's happening here. Uh, but Chris, it, it wasn't too long ago, but do you remember the first time we hit a dream sequence and we were like, what the yeah. fuck is going on? It was just, <laughs> and even after we reread it a few times, Alan asked questions and then he would, he would do that little laugh like that and we would throw out our <laughs> theories and then he would say, sure. And it still made no fucking sense. (laughs) But like, I think it's awesome from the reader's perspective. You know, just that one little mention of the look in the mirror, his reflection is clear. He can see himself. So that means so many things. Um, As I relate to it as the, as the reader, the dream sequence itself and all, all of the sequences leading up till now make more sense. They're more clear, but there's another layer to it. His face is also known to Beazelman. Beazelman talks about how I know you. Like, it's, it's, I don't have to guess anymore. It's not between you three. It's you. That's who I'm after. So, like, the, the mirror has kind of like multiple meanings there. Um, or maybe I'm making up the, the meaning from the don't reader perspective of how all of this makes sense when before I it was a fucking blur. I'm going to do the Chris thing. I have to do it at least once before we end. I want to go back. I want to go back to two sentences. The first one 
It was not so thick as before, but it still pulsed, pumping strength into him, pumping life, filling him with the light he climbed. So the first thought there, if he was trapping, if he was tapping, sorry, that's the tequila talking. <laughs> if he was tapping into the truth <laughs> source, why would it be dying out? Like we know that this was a pool of power, but you know, where's the viable connection? Where's the full line connection? Where, where? So well, this is kind of a contradiction. Go ahead. When and I hate to keep <laughs> interrupting you because you're making good points, but he also, when he notices the cord, the black cord linking to Biazelman, he said with every pulse, it seemed to like absorb the light. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing now because I'm not looking at the exact words, but with every per with every pulse of the black cord, it absorbed the light. So it, in my mind, and, and again, this is like, listen to it and then reread it again. There's, there's a battling of their strengths here. These are, I don't know if it's two different sources or what, but obviously Rands is trying to grow. It's it's kind of blossoming in him, but then he's in the presence of Biazelman, where as his pulses, it seems to. Snuff well, yeah, that out was the, the second point that I was going to make mm-hmm. was that as he approaches, the closer he gets to Biazelman, of course, the more the darkness was going to grow. But then there's that sentence: "He was alone when he looked at the mirror on the wall. His face was." They're as clear as if it was him. So there's the first statement. His face was there as clear as if it was Um, him. Not stating that it was him, but as if it was him. There is calm Hmm. in the void. Well, the the maker did show Neo uh, a thousand versions of him. And it wasn't him, but it was if it was him. So maybe it wasn't a mirror, but it was a maybe he was showing him a previous version of him. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna tap out and go open another <laughs> bottle of wine. Jesus, this is so. Then it says, "Yes, Biazzo said from in front of the fireplace. I thought Agonor's greed would overcome him, but it makes no difference in the end. A long search, but ended now. You are here, and I know you. So is this?" essentially an acceptance of the void because we're talking about black we're talking about dark we're talking about you know removal of the light and you know rancid solace in the void oh shit now you're bringing the what void into this what shit black for? Mm-hmm. so so tan so tam works for the dark friend the, the the dark one huh is that what you're saying time traveling tam is setting him up. It's in, in the midst of the light, the for the void dark one. drifted. And oh. in the midst of the void floated Rand. He reached for the soil of his home mm. and felt hard rock, unyielding and dry, stone without pity, where only the strong could survive, only those as hard as the mountain. I am tired of running. He could not believe his voice was so calm. Tired of you threatening my friends, I will run no more. Biazaman had a cord too, he saw, a black cord, yeah. thicker by far than his own, so wide it should have dwarfed the human body, and dwarfed by Biazaman instead. 
each post along that black vein ate light. Now, this right here, he took, again, solace in the void. And not only that, he was comforted in the void, which is exactly what he was taught. You know, maybe we're thinking about this the wrong yeah. way. Maybe the void is the true source. Maybe it was overcome. Maybe the the coupling of the side eye and Sadar was to try to overcome the void because without darkness there is no light. Maybe the darkness came first. But the best way to overcome both, to be able to have power over both, is to exist in the void, which your 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 power is rooted in neither. Mm. All right. So. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm sorry. So that you right. guys gone through all that. Uh, Edit so, all of yeah. that out. Yeah. And then like, my next thought was that was great. That was great. Uh, you guys just or Rand is Biasmon in a sense. Like he maybe he's having he's having internal dialogue. He's still in his own mind. He's just come to terms with the acceptance of was it Sidar? Sidine. Sidine, sorry, yeah. wrong wrong power. Sidine. But it's not a physical yeah. defeating of the dark one, but a physical defeating of himself. Hold on, wait a minute. Yo. Nablus? Nablus? Did you just assume <laughs> Rand's gender? <laughs> I read the other book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, so I, I Sorry. was going to say, I just, you guys, like, uh, you're definitely oh, going down the uh, rabbit hole quite a bit here on some of these things. But, uh, like, what is your what is your perception? Like, I'm going to kind of refocus a question here. What is your perception of what's going on here? My in my perception, I think yeah. Like, okay, so Rand went up the stairs and went in a room. What's going on? Internal struggle between his acceptance of himself, who he really is. So, do you think Balsmon's just a internal, internal manifestation, manifestation, or do you think it's a real person? So uh, I think Beazelman was a, I mean, I, in my mind, I gave the possibility of just in, internal manifestation, but the fact that he showed up to Matt, the fact that he showed up to Perrin, other people have referenced him. Uh, I do believe he is um, a personification of the evil that they're, they're battling overall. And I think he's been – I'm more concerned that he's been made to be shown as, like, the dark one, and he's just a a, a puppet of. Hmm. So even in defeating him, it's just going to be some false sense of security that, hmm. you know, we, we took care of Bausamon, but uh, – Kind of, I mean, I was joking about the there's there's a master, there's an apprentice of the Sith before, but he's just the apprentice, and you can get rid rid of Darth Maul, and it don't matter because, you know, there's there's someone else to follow, you know. That's what, yeah, that's I where my that I can definitely agree with that. So, book seven, here we come. 
Well, uh, so I have a question for you guys, and I, yeah. I, I would <laughs> no, love Nate. the three of you to answer this. Uh, and maybe, Alan, you answer it first. Okay. There, there is enough in this Ooh. book to answer the question that you just asked. But you have to look for it. So should I answer that for you? Or should I let you figure that out on your own later? As far okay. as, yeah, I think let it figure that out. Because that's, that, I mean, yes, there is enough, but okay, yeah, that's, that answers that's my question. Yeah. Question answer. <laughs> there she's never being. <laughs> One of the things, I'll, I'll make this as a general comment. One of the things so. that you're going to find with Eye of the World uh and I think this is one of the things that does make this series rereadable. I said this earlier. There is so much in this book that foreshadows later things that, yeah, like all the way to the very end. To the like end. We're talking like the last couple chapters of the last book, right? So, like, so much is foreshadowed in this book, and you don't pick up on it until later. And then you realize how rich this book was in terms of foreshadowing. So, yeah. yes, that's all I'll say. Yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah, Balsamon says it makes no difference on whether you run or not. Uh, I've, I've won many times, many times you served me, many times you ran. It doesn't matter. Uh, but right now, you either kneel to me or be a part of Valen puppet um, and die. So those are your two choices. Either kneel to me now or be a puppet of the White Tower and die. Um. And and Rand's kind of, you know, stuck in this situation where, obviously, he wants to deny Bosamon and everything he's saying. Um, he said, there are other choices. Yeah. The will weaves the pattern, not you. Every trap you've laid for me, I've escaped. I've escaped your fades, and Trollocs escaped your dark friends. I tracked you here and destroyed your army on the way. You do not weave the pattern. And then it's like other armies mm -hmm. can be raised, you fool. Armies you have yeah. not dreamed of will come yet. And you tracked me. You slug under a rock. Tracked me. I began the setting of your path the day you were born. <laughs> a path to lead you to your grave or here. Like, just pretty neat. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, and Rand begins actually to give in. His, he, he starts to doubt, and his voice starts lies. to slip. Um, you know, well, well yeah. Um, and Rand's internal struggle, you know, he knows it all. He could have done. See, he could have done. It could have been the way he says. Like, mm -hmm. who the heck knows? Right. Yeah, and then the next scene, Bosman then shows Rand, Egwene, and Nynaeve, and his mother. And uh, Rand says he knows two of them are still alive, and those disappear almost immediately, but Rand's mom stays. Um, and I think you get this quote where, uh, where you know, he says, well, my mother's in the light. So you don't have her. And he said, the Lord of the grave is strong, my son. Uh, he is my master, is what Carrie Althor says. So, so this... Every interaction he has with Balsamon, like I'm on guard because uh, when when I think of evil, and I mentioned this before, their greatest weapon is lies and deception, and that's how they get you to doubt yourself, and that's how you get they get you to doubt the good. So so even here, like 
if Beazelman would have come out and just shown an image of his mother right off the bat and nothing else, then maybe Rand would hold on to his his beliefs of, oh, that's not my mom. But he shows one one truth and two lies or two truths and a lie, mm-hmm. depending on which way you look at it. And then he makes the other two, he allows the other two to fade away. And then he's just left with his mom. So now Rand is in this position of, it's just easier to believe that, okay, I called him out on the other two ladies, but wait a minute. Uh, my mom's still there. And now I'm being told by my mom through Bialzaman that he has control over her. So, but I still don't know if I can believe it. I mean, for the sake of the story to move forward, it, w- it was enough to motivate Rand to do what he did. But does Beazelman actually have his mom? Does he actually have the power over death? I mean, from a reader's perspective right now, we only know that the father of lies has a honey tongue for the unwary souls from this image of Rand's mom that could be just portrayed, you know, from Beazelman and it could be part of the deception. I don't know. So, I mean, yeah. it was, it, on the one hand, it was, it was enough to encourage Rand to do what he did next. That was his breaking point of all yeah. things. First, like we, we saw his, his care and his love for Egwene and how that motivated him to, uh, you know, touch Egwene's horse and, and, and get Bella to run faster and give her strength. And then for his own life, you know, the boom came and saved him. Um, mm-hmm. And again, backed up in a corner, he fought out against the Forsaken. But like now, we haven't seen Rand's most awesome power yet, but now he's being taunted with uh, his mother suffering. Right. So it was enough. it was enough to get him to react. But yep. was it real? Did it actually oh. happen? Is it true? I don't know. We can't trust sure. our source right now. The the unreliable narrator. Yeah. <laughs> Especially since we kind of Yeah. Okay. So, we're, at, but... we're at we're at the end of the chapter, so I'll, I'll throw this out real quick. So I keep refer- referencing the master and apprentice, master and pre- apprentice when it comes to the uh-huh. Sith. When it comes to the dark side or the evil or the dark one here. Uh, on that side of things, they're so fucked up, they're willing to sacrifice their apprentice to move their uh, their end goals forward. So is it possible that even Beazelman was used here to encourage Ran to fully tap into this source, to this power? Hmm. So that Ran would cross a threshold that the the Dark One, not Baalzaman, but the Shadow, the Dark One, the yeah. whatever the master, if you will, could then take advantage of him. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Shaitan. Shaitan. There we go. So yeah. And this is where the the you know the fates show up, rip off her clothes, torture her. She screams, and like you said, meeting Rand's full potential, he, he reaches out and creates a sword made of pure light and destroys the fates. Fucking love it. Star Wars fucked up with baby. <laughs> they had baby little lightsabers 
Rand just fucking wielded light. Just it shot out of his freaking hand like a sword. He could extend it at will. Like this <laughs> is amazing. And he destroys the fades, and then his mother, uh, Carrie, whispers, "Thank you," and then uh, disappears. And he's alone with Balsamon again. And Balsamon's pissed. He's like, <laughs> he's like, fool, not yet. You you shouldn't be able to do that yet. And Rand reaches up, swings to the black cord, and Balsamon screams. He severs the cord, um, uh, throws Balsamon back against the, the 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 fireplace wall or whatever, and. Uh, and Rand sends the sword into Bonazma with everything he has, and everything starts to break apart. Uh, Rand falls through emptiness and strikes something, and the chapter ends. So let's talk about all that. <laughs> I'm going to jump straight to the end, and Chris, I'm curious. The last paragraph sentence, something struck him with tremendous force, turning him to jelly. And the jelly shook and screamed from the fire raging inside, the hungry cold burning without end. Uh, does that, what the, what, <laughs> what, wait, what? What is that? Am I supposed <laughs> to know? Because I read that sober twice. And then I went full on drunk a third time. And I still don't, and I, I, I thought it would help. That's but like it didn't. Without I still don't know what that means. Connection to the power. <laughs> You're not going to really know what happened here much later. So don't okay, get so confused thank you. as hell. You just saved me from being. A... Okay. Uh, you okay. are not meant to understand what happened yet. Good. You know what? If you would, if you would have. If you would have just opened this episode <laughs> by saying that, it might have been shorter. Maybe because, man, and maybe I wouldn't be an alcoholic because I used that as a possible way to figure things out, but it, it didn't. It didn't work. There was yeah. no enlightenment. <laughs> so, any final thoughts for this chapter? Um, it has to be ended. What was that, Chris? <laughs> It has to be ended, yeah. That's it. <laughs> All right, moving on to chapter 52. There's neither <laughs> a beginning nor end. So there's neither a beginning nor end. And the icon is is the is the trifle leaf here. So uh, I mixed those up last time. Um, the Hermit Blade was last chapter. This was uh, the trifle leaf. The Avendisori leaf. Oh, man, I'll just say what I said before. I just kept running and reading. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I think I was at this point too. I was like, "All right, let's get to the end of the book. We yeah. had our action. Um, there's uh, neither beginning nor end. Like it's that whole idea yeah. that there's no concept of time." Yep. So, in, in the essence of this episode being super long, longer than anyone we've ever done. Sorry, Nablus. Um <laughs> I tricked you into coming to our longest episode ever. No worries, but um. Um, but yeah, so we'll start the episode off with when Rand wakes up. He's groggy. He's confused. He's having trouble remembering things. Um, he sees a pile of flesh and cloth and ash, and he he figures that's where Agonor used to be. <laughs> um, and he vomits at the side of it. Uh, he pulls his sword out and starts to remember more as things go on, like remembers his name. Um, you know, and remembers Egwene and 
Wait, I should, that should be important. Um, but he, then he thinks back and says, the Dark One's dead, and actually names Shaitan, and the whole world lurches when he does. So let's talk about this whole entire coming to scene. Everything's foggy. It's strange. It's weird. Um, his thoughts aren't his. It, you know what? It, it, before you guys start talking, it reminds me, it, when I first read this, so I'm a huge Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy uh, fan, and when they turn the rockets that are shooting towards them into a sperm whale, and it's dropping through the atmosphere and becoming self-aware as it's dropping, like, <laughs> like, oh, what am I? Oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a whale. Oh, what's that? That's that's my tail. Oh, oh, that's what is this? Oh, it's air. It's air. Oh, that's that's ground splat, and then it dies. But, uh... <laughs> 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 so anyway it just reminded me of that scene like as he's coming self-aware like <laughs> yeah so i i can't help but think about not just the end of this book but so as we're reading the end of this book we know there's many more books and we're we're assuming but i'm pretty sure rand is with us for a while um and so now we have we have two things to be concerned with uh one there's rand uh channeling this power through the taint, which we already know is just going to similar to um, the way Moran described it to the females. Like if it's untrained, uh, eventually you just get uh, almost immediately sick, this, that, and the other after using it. But the, the taint portion makes you fucking crazy, right? For the guys. Wait, why, why was he channeling it through the taint? Well, and, but the flip side is, at least this time, so the other times, possibly through the taint, but this time, if he was channeling through the eye of the world, there's no taint, but still right. he's but still he's untrained. And, and even with the females, Moraine mentioned the females who are untrained, there's still danger there. Yes. Uh, but, but we're definitely at the point where the moment he's using it, He's already experiencing the negative effects, like immediately, like it's painful as he's doing it. Um, right. And 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 even after it's all over, now he's in fucking Nana land. Uh, yeah. And this is the first time he used it to, I, I guess it's maximum power as far as we know so far. Maybe there's greater power, but he he used it to a pretty high level, and and he's off in Nana land, so pretty mm-hmm. concerned about Rand's future um and and kind of what they talk about um as this chapter goes on it like if if he can't learn how to navigate this he is fucked mm-hmm. or, or he he just has to find a way to never use it again thoughts chris nope just listening in agreement <laughs> okay so yeah so as he's walking down the hill or cliff slash hill whatever steep embankment um you know he's remembering more things he's staggering coming back to finally kind of walking more regularly than just stumbling you know get his feet together he's coming back too you know uh, obviously um and he bounds into a clearing and everyone's there everyone's well not everyone's there the girls are all there um moraine Egwene, and naive and everyone's still alive. Moraine's injured. Um, and Moraine's surprised, you know, starts talking to him. 
Um, surprised at how long she held off Agenor. Uh, says the Forsaken are breaking free at this point. Um, and Rand immediately goes in saying, you know, the Dark One's dead. And Moraine is super doubtful. At, at this point, you know, Rand admits he, he wield the one power and you get this interaction with, with Egwene and Naive. So, uh, so I mentioned it before. So this, this, this chapter, the beginning of this chapter was pretty heartbreaking for me. Um, so the obvious, you can read the words. Rand is just trying to figure out who the fuck he is, uh, get through the aftermath. Uh, he's trying to hold on to a memory of what he once loved and and he thinks he finds it and then admitting what happened and what he had to do what he had to do at the moment i mean what else could he have fucking done um you know naive who was somebody who he definitely respected before uh labels him as dangerous uh Egwene, you know even though she flings her arms around her and i guess i'm putting my own perspective on this like he probably recognizes that as being half-hearted and this is the chapter where i get drawn back to you know you you telling us alan uh about jordan's background of being in the military and serving in wartime and this is the this is the rand coming home this is the jordan coming home this is the ian coming home this is the other soldiers out there and sailors airmen marines whatever coming home after either seeing or having done what had to be done and they don't want to be changed, but they know they're changed. And the friends and the family trying to pretend like they, like they don't see them different, but they see them different. And that is a tough road to go down. And it's, mm-hmm. it's different for everybody in real life. There are some people that navigate it quickly and there are some people that never find their way home. And uh, I'm going to, I'll pull a new Chris and flash forward, uh, at least to the, to the end of this book. Uh, Rand doesn't find his way home at the end of this book. And he might not find his way home for a very long time. Yeah. So I, I feel for him. Yeah. Chris, anything for you? Nope. I'm actually sitting here with my clothes on. Going in, way to finish things up, like way to just attack it. I, yep. you know, I kind of, I struggled with the end of the book, to be honest with you. Sure. Yeah. So they get this next scene where where Gwen and Nadiv shy away from, especially Gwen shies away from Rand, but then immediately turns back and hugs him. Um, you know, Marine asks what happened, and he tells her everything that happened. Uh, and, and Rand's trying to convince himself he didn't use the one power, but then Moraine stops him and says, you know, she had her suspicions from the beginning and starts going about the coin and Bella and starts telling every which way that she saw. Stop, that was- stop, 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 <laughs> stop. Okay. <laughs> so Chris and I don't go begging for credit too often, but somebody, somebody said the coin was Turkish delight. And at least that was the intent. I feel like there's some there's some credit, maybe maybe not hundred percent, but maybe like ninety nine point nine percent. 
credit on that one. And then the Bella story, Chris nailed that shit dead on. Yeah. Picked it up right off the bat. Which honestly surprised everyone in our Discord, our listeners, that you guys picked that up so easily. Just now for the the listeners, you'll know those people never get Bella. They might get the boom. They might get yeah, definitely at four kings. Four kings when the lightning comes striking oh, down. Yeah, those are they're all easy. It just kind of just made sense. But but Bella, most people do not get on the first read through. Well, he will. Would you it. agree? Well, I mean, I mean, are you talking about like as they read it or down the road? Yeah, as, as they, they read. read. Okay, I was gonna say because Moraine basically says it, but <laughs> um, oh yeah, no, yeah. no, as they read yeah, it, they no, they, I, they, I, they I picked it up. Did. Yeah. The, the only time I thought Rand might have channeled, and I still wasn't sure, my first read was uh, Four Kings. Yeah. And I, I thought at yeah. that point, Rand was just lucky. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. To, to be fair, I didn't pick up on Bella. Uh, but when Chris said it, I had a, oh, moment. And it made sense. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I think my first moment was the boom moment. I think yeah, I, the boom hit the top. Yeah. I realized the moments of desperation from the very beginning. Um, I think that's indicative yeah. of a lot of the um, heroes that are put into be hero heroic actions rather than wanting to be heroic. They always find themselves in moments where they're most desperate. I mean, look at Harry, and again, I'm a Harry Potter fan, so. Harry Potter's greatest moments were in his moments of best of highest need. And he was never doing it yeah. for himself. He was doing it for others. So his Patronus, yeah. his Patronus came. And I mean, I, I think these things, I pick up on these things because I'm that kid that sat there and read Harry Potter 13 times and then wrote a 72 page thesis paper on like that one particular character and that type of hero. Oh. So like in in my mind that just made perfect sense like he's the the um, the hero that doesn't want to be the hero so everything is done in moments of desperation patronus mm. fell yeah yeah the wielding of the sword and chamber of secrets like he didn't want that power it was just given to him the finding of the stone and sorcerer's stone I could go on about that. So anyway, we will continue because we'll go down that rabbit trail. So yeah, so obviously, uh, like I said, there 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 was all those times, like you said, that you you did catch our our, our thought about it. Um, but moving forward, you know, uh, you know, Rand immediately says he won't touch it again. He won't touch the source again. Um, and Rand asked Moraine, says, "Well, can you teach me?" And she has this whole line about, you know, can you teach a, you know, a fish to climb a tree or something like, you know, some of those lines, you know, like, our fish to fly. Says, can you teach a cat or is, can you teach, can a cat teach a dog to climb a tree, Ran? Can a fish teach a bird yeah, to swim? I, mm-hmm. She's just like, uh, it's not possible. And the people that could teach right. you, they're all dead 3,000 years ago. So she's like, mm-hmm. but I do love the line. Perhaps you are stubborn enough, though. Perhaps your will is strong enough. Yeah. So and then I, we get to this. Well, oh, go ahead. So th- this was the first part where I was like, okay, our group is going to break up again. 
uh, because after everything that happened, Rand can, there's no way you can do that and then just walk away from it. But there's no way he can continue to do it as is right now and survive. And there's no one in this group that can offer him any sort of instruction. So what does that tell you? Rand, Rand's got to find his own path. Rand's got to find another way. So this was this was the first inkling that I had that moving forward we're gonna go different directions again. Our party's gonna get split up. Yeah, I was and I, so I'll also, yeah, I'll also add this. This is backing up a little bit, um, but when Moraine started talking about the Bella portion, where Bella got the strength and she should have thought of who Bella carried and blah 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 blah, you know, this might not play out either. But so there, there's this, there's this theme about the how the male and female side of drawing on the power, how they play off of each other and they give each other strength, right? And I kind of joked about this, but um, after you mentioned that Ran was the one that healed Bella, and so he channeled the power there. Not much longer after that. Egwene was leaning up against Bella and was able to channel the power and start the fire. But then she wasn't able to later afterwards. She was struggling to do it but later uh, when, when you're was absolutely asking. true. So, like I thought it came from her being so close to the water that maybe there was some type of elemental magic. But now that we've gotten to this point, you just made that statement. You kind of blew my mind right there. Like, yeah, it might have been. Her being close to Bella and Ran had just somewhat recently giving that strength to Bella, like it continued to channel through. See, that's but then sure. he wouldn't be drawing on the same power she would be drawing on, right? Oh, it's a yin and a yang, man. They're 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 connected but not connected. They're they give each other strength. Nabla, you got anything to add? Uh, no, I think they nailed it. I mean, I think the uh, more yeah. of just a comment, not a question for those guys, but I just think this, it's kind of cool to have, uh, call this like a little epilogue of sorts, right? Like for the book mm-hmm. and just to see Maureen kind of explain some of the things that we've gone on and it's like, oh, that was going on. Like for your first time reading, I'm amazed yeah. you, woo, hiccups. I'm amazed you guys caught that though. So that's, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, and and Rand asked Moraine, does 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 everybody else know too? It's only Land the girls know, and no one else does. Um, and Moraine says she won't tell anybody else. It's up to him. Um, and then Rand asks, you know, will you won't you gentle me now? Um, isn't that what you're supposed to do? And, and Moraine says no. And before she can really, uh, you know, finish, explain why, um, I, I, that, that's when the others start to show up. So the conversation kind of ends. Well, yeah. it doesn't end I, there. It I can't. I can't you help. You are Tavirin. Perhaps the pattern has not finished with you. So that's her reasoning. So there's that whole mm-hmm. selfish Moraine type thought that yeah. we have had Ian talking about for the last few months. I'll be the Ian today. Well, the reasoning you figure out at the very end, but yes, you can. Yeah, we, for right now, reading yeah. Tavirin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So yeah, so the group shows back up and they're carrying what I call um, you know, quest treasures, you know, like you know, when you finish a quest in a video game, you get Spoils all your rewards. Of war. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know your rewards. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is your final boss awards. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Matt gets plus ten dexterity, and Rand gets plus ten strength, and act, uh, he gets the what is it for the magic? Uh, I, uh in- yeah. intellect. Yeah. Yeah, that's... intellect. Yeah, yeah. So, or, so there we go. <laughs> he gets like plus one thousand there. But it's, yeah. it's a deadly 1,000. Yeah, exactly. Tainted, tainted. It's tainted 1,000. <laughs> Possibly, maybe, but not quite. We don't know. But sure. Yeah, but it is. So, so yeah, Loyal's, Loyal's carrying a big chest. Perrin's carrying like a some kind of cloth. Um, and, and, you know, Lan's happens to be Rand, even though Lan knows. Uh, and Rand's kind of taken back by that. Um, Loyal asked where Rand went, and Rand said, "You know, oh, I fell off a cliff, and I have a few bruises. Mm. <laughs> I don't remember anything else." <laughs> um, um, and then they have these fragments. So he gets this this fragments, uh, and it's 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 uh, Quind- Quind- Quindliar. That's how it's pronounced. Quindliar. Thank you, Quindliar. Um, and it's heart- Heartstone. You can call it Heartstone too. And that's um, uh, cannot be broken. Looks like pottery. And when they put the fragments together, it makes the ancient symbol of the Aes Sedai, which is the flame of Tarvalin and the dragon's fang. So we finally get what the other half is. You know, we talked about the symbol for, I don't know how many chapters. Yeah, a few times. Yeah. So that's the flame of Tarvalin and then the dragon's fang. Put together. And that's a seal. He, they threw in a line very briefly. For a moment, Perrin's eyes seemed to glow again. Well, let me back up. It said, "This was one of the this was one of the seven seals on the Dark One's prison." Moraine said. Matt dropped the piece as if it had become white hot. For a moment, Perrin's eyes seemed to glow again. Uh, so I don't want to read into it too much because Chris, you and I, God, we read into stuff. We, we try to get way ahead of stuff without knowing, right? Mm-hmm. But but what what does this mean? Does Perrin just are the eyes glowing because he recognizes it as a threat the same way Matt did and Matt dropped it? Or is there something about the connection Perrin has with the wolves and how we talked about how that connection kind of predates or might be separate from the one power? Uh, and there's some sort of recognition there. I don't know, but there, there's a nod to Perrin very briefly um, when when they mention the seven seals. I highlighted it. I thought about it, and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> ultimately, ultimately, I put a question mark, but there was a nod. Right. So this is one of the seven seals of Dark One's prison. It is broken, so hence why some of the Forsaken are getting out. But there are six other ones that hopefully are still intact. Um, we don't know. We don't so even know who they are. Is this the first sure. time Definitely. we've seen the word Sa Ang- Sa Angriel? Why the F A? Yeah. Cry? So what's the purpose? Does it mean like no? Major or male and female? Combined? I think the Black Tower. Po- I think, 
I think it's the Black Tower podcast that does it. Like, it's so powerful. (laughs) 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 But yeah, they will get more into Saw and Reels later. But yes. (laughs) All right. Sure. And then we get a curled golden horn nestled within the chest. Yeah. So this is, yeah, one of the most, I think, greatest parts of this this book is when they, they find the Horn of Valyria. So they pull, you know, because everyone's reactions is so vivid and epic, and you can feel the emotion going through everybody as they realize what this is. Yeah, I'll I'll let you take it. it. I almost feel like Loyal was brought on as a character just for this moment (laughs) because we're we're taught that Loyal has a deeper understanding and he's read about so many things about history and he knows the different languages and so far we've had a couple of pretty awesome escape scenes and battle scenes that loyal has either not contributed or just kind of barely contributed to but but now not just his um i won't say his lines because they're so few he's like is it Loyal stopped to catch his breath. Can it be like, so this person who has all this like great knowledge is just flabbergasted. Right. Uh, but then he's given the opportunity with, with his knowledge of the old tongue to read from it. And, and it just adds the emphasis of like, okay, this isn't something we can ignore. This is now our next quest. The, the Ogier has stated, this is our quest. So we got to go. Yeah, and and the line that's on there, I'm not going to read the old tongue, but it, it means the grave is no bar to my call. I'll the give you 10 Valdir. cents if you so, read it in the old tongue. Uh, yeah, I actually pull my vote. Jaime, Aven, Mordin, Isande, Vadin. So good. One at a time. <laughs> $2, two $2. I want my $2. <laughs> Yeah, and, and Matt's reaction to all this, because, you know, the Horn of Valir is supposed to call the heroes of ages to fight the Dark One back from the dead. And Matt's reaction is burn me, which is pretty no, much... No. F- Fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> I'm glad pretty you much. figured out the swearing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know they then, were all hoping for this to be it. Yeah, they were the, all... Yeah, they're hoping that this was like the and then Moraine says, you know, what's the banner or what's the white cloth? Then they pull it out and it's the banner of the dragon. Um which then again Matt gets an equal reaction. <laughs> Look. Um this is Luce Theron's battle battle banner. Um that from Freedom Humanist Rand's heritage. Heritage. <laughs> Look, yeah. so Matt Matt's reaction here is important because it reminds us at least now okay now there's 50 bazillion books so we know this goes on and on and on and on and it's awesome because jordan's awesome but it goes on and on forever right For six years but from mm-hmm. the character's perspective they were hoping this was it they yeah, were wanting to go home no oh, this is not it that's why matt <laughs> just said matt yeah. when matt heard that matt goes fuck me and when yeah. moraine starts talking about well this is pretty important. We have to take this to Ilion. 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 
Matt's pretty much just like, well, fuck that shit. Like uh, it's, you know, it's, mm-hmm. he wants to go home. Everybody was ready for that, but now it's time for the new, even bigger quest than yeah. what they already did. Yep. So she says, now it's time to rest. They, they sleep there for the night. You know, Green, Man, Green Man's place still holding holding for the night, even though the blight's already starting to come in. Um, you know, um, and then as they, you know, I think that's how they end the chapter is with uh, Rand, uh, with, with Moraine telling Rand to, you know, just dream, sleep and dream of home. Yeah, dream about it because you ain't actually going to get there. Choices. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Yeah. What was that other word? So any final... We had choices, and what was that other title that we made fun of so much? Choices. uh, I don't Uh, remember. Choices was the big one that I thought was a joke. (laughs) (laughs) Because there are no choices. So yeah, so in this chapter, any final thoughts from this chapter? Um, Pretty straightforward. Anything you want to add, Dave? I think we're good on this chapter. Maybe um, I don't have my thoughts together on it, but this is another one of those chapters where at least I felt from my perspective, there, there was a lot of, uh, nods to the soldier coming home yep. and I'll throw it out again. Some people took me up on it and we did some messaging on discord, but there's, there's conversation to be had there. Mm-hmm. E- even, even with Moraine telling him there's some people you could talk to about this. There's some people you can't like there's. There's there's a yep. lot about that that hits home, so sure. So moving on to chapter fifty four, the last chapter, the wheel turns, and the icon is the wheel of time symbol. And um, I, I don't think we have to go into the chapter title or the symbol or you know the icon is just the symbol that we had in the very beginning. Um, it's the we, we talked about it at length already. So yeah, with said. you guys, I'm just going to move right on. So. <laughs> Well, what, what they what they could have said, um, and and I'm sure he didn't want to steal the chapter title, but essentially what this is is out of the frying pan into the into the fire. Yeah, sure. <laughs> We've only just begun. So dawn comes. Everything is dying around him. The heat is getting hotter. It's it's rising. Um, everyone's quiet and getting ready. Um, and Rand kind of he says to I think Moraine, we won. It shouldn't be this way. And everything, you know, we we've, we've defeated the Dark One. And um, and Moraine's very hesitant. I think very much just like, nope, not true. And this is when Loyal goes to the tree where the Green Man was and sings a song. And yeah, get this nice little opening scene. I, I mean, I I think the the nod from loyal to the green man was pretty fantastic and like we could talk about other things but i feel like of this opening scene and the other things you mentioned that's that's probably the most significant part i feel like we yeah. I, th- I feel like we owe it i don't know why i'm i'm so pro green man maybe because he was the last of his kind he's gone but that's where the focus should stay. I don't want to ruin yeah. this podcast by focusing on anything else. This little space. <laughs> and, and, and he says, this little space, at least, will not sink into the blight. The mm-hmm. blight will not have tree, brother. Yeah. And, and, and with 
with he did with with what the Green Man did in planting that oak, and then with what Loyal did singing the song, there's at least as much as the blight closes in, that memorial will stand. Definitely. So I see for me, my mind was like, him. there's so much power in a song sung by a single Ogier. I wonder how much power is in the missing song of the Tinkers. Yeah. No, yeah, we, <laughs> this yeah. is where my mind went, but I'm power on so. the, the, the Tinker song. Yeah. So they, they crest a hill, they look back, and the blight's everywhere. And they look back, and the green man's space is gone. It's disappeared. Uh, the blight, and the blight's all quite going back. Um, you know, uh, not a single branch trembled as if to lash out at them. Nothing screamer howled, neither nearby nor in the distance. The blight seemed to crouch, not to pounce, but as if it had been struck a great blow and waited for the next to fall. Even the sun was less red. And Moraine even says we struck a mighty blow against the Dark One. And as they head south, the blight just fades away. Um, like it did when they were coming up, how it slowly fades away. It fades back to normal. And when they get further down, rather than being really cold, spring has finally come. There's flowers everywhere. Everything's blooming. Um, and men come out to greet them as they reach the towers. Victory in Tarwin's Gap. They're all screaming. And, we won. Yeah, they reach Faladara, and bells are ringing everywhere. Everyone's celebrating. Um, and Inktar shows up first, and he's really upset because he missed the fight. <laughs> I felt so bad for him. At this point, I yep, I was going to say, I feel bad for him. I hope there is some other significant battle that he can kick ass and take names in because... Um. Yeah, he he's had his his moment stolen from him. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So um, you know they offer Marine help because she obviously looks injured, but they she says, "Take me to Algamar, our Lord Algorithm, as we call him." Right. Um, <laughs> That's what it. It's a complex fucking algorithm still at this point. Yeah, and um, and and they get there, and um, and. You know, Algamar is the second person they see that's upset when they get in. So um, he doesn't look happy at all. Um, he says, you know, yes, there was victory, but, you know, he says, I, I, we saw something there that was not normal. Yeah, yes and no. <laughs> yeah, yes and no. Uh, we we're going to be overrun by the whole, you know, army of dark, but then a man showed up and the earth swallowed them up. So we didn't even get the fight really. Yeah. I saw a man and what he did cannot be, must not be. It's so weird. Like there, obviously there's pieces of the puzzle that have been lost over time. But even when you go back to the prologue and then post prologue, they just reference some of the, I don't, what, what would you call them? Like just old stories. Mm-hmm. And like they know the Dragon Reborn is necessary to defeat the Dark One. Like big picture, right? But at the same time, there's fear about the Dragon returning and like what that brings with it. 
And it's almost like, well, not almost, they're focused too much on the fact that if it's the dragon reborn, it's going to bring all sorts of pain and sorrow, blah, 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 blah. But they're missing the fact that the dragon can actually fix shit and finally defeat the evil. So he's like, I saw a man. I'll do a soldier analogy for you. Like, so let's say you get shot, right? With a bullet. In, in the arm or something like that. And the bullet, if it, if you keep it in there, it will kill you. Um, but, you know, on the field, they have no medicine. We're going to have to cut this thing out. It's going to hurt a hell of a lot, but you got to get it out. <laughs> like, like the dragon's yeah. kind of, yeah, like it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt. It's going to be bad. It's going to be very painful. It's going to be yeah. horrible. Um, yeah, we're, we're entering a pretty shitty time if he's here. <laughs> if, the, if what I saw is what I saw, if that was a man and he did what I think he did, we're entering a period of time that's going to suck. But on the flip side of it, when you come out of it, if he does what he can do and what's been prophesied, then it's for the good. We need to go through this suck together. Mm-hmm. For me, the whole time I was looking at it, I was like, how did he recognize Rand? Yeah. How did he not recognize Rand? Did he say, or maybe I'm, I'm just heard the quote, but he, did he say that he saw? Yeah, he saw someone. I mean, I'm yeah. not sure how close they were. I mean, Nablus, do you, do you, do you have thoughts on, on that? On which part? Sorry, say that part again. Uh, on 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 why Algamar didn't recognize they were, Rand no, they were, he as, was in the middle as who was in part. So okay. if you go back to that scene, like right. think about so, Tarwin's gap, and like they're not... They, they were on different much. sides of the gap, yeah. and he ended up in the middle. Like, and Rand disappeared before. Like, all they did was saw a figure. That's all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now this he suspects thing. it. That yeah. whole yeah. scene, going back to the battle scene when Rand showed up, I'll just say this because it's funny. That whole scene was ruined for me uh, because I used to watch my brother. I, ne- I didn't play World of Warcraft, but I watched my brother play World of Warcraft. <laughs> And then um, Alan also played World of Warcraft for a little while, at least. And I do remember one day I was like, hey, uh, Jared, which is my brother's name. I'm like, "Uh, let me watch you play for a little bit. Show me what this game is all about, because everybody says it's awesome. And then for like 10 minutes, uh, I guess my brother got to this point in the world where Alan was. And from a distance, my brother his character waved at Alan's character and then Alan's character jumped up and waved back. And then my brother's character just waved at him and they danced around and waved at each other for like 10, 15 minutes. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) So, so as I watch the battle scene, I like, I picture uh, the, you know, the good guys getting up in their saddles and they look at him and wave at him. And immediately when I read that, I was, I, I just had this mental image of the world of Warcraft guys just waving at each other and not doing anything. So it, it ruined it for me. Yeah. 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 So here it is. They just, they just waved at each other. They, they didn't really know what was going on. They're just like, Hey, another guy. Hey, right. another guy. Yep. So Moraine says she needs to speak to Fane. She tells him the green man is dead. The eye is gone. He won't send men up there anymore. Um, she says then uh, Algamar is like, well, then you lost. He's like, no, we won. But uh, the blight still stands. The dark one's still alive. Uh, and then she shows him the horn. <laughs> and immediately his reaction is he wants to march straight to Shalgul. 
Moraine says, no, it has to go to Ilion. Um, and that's the end of the scene. So any thoughts about this? I think I missed it, but what's really the importance of Ilion? So we, I don't, that's a good question. I, it, it comes up later. <laughs> not um, really seriously, though. We did touch I, on it briefly. Not really seriously. What'd though. you say? Like, not really seriously, though, but that's yeah. where the haunt starts. So, like, there's a lot of, I guess, you know, the game of telephone, like, it's, I guess it's not, I don't know if it's too much spoilers. It's not really that big of a deal, Ilion. But I think everyone always assumes it has to go to Ilion. Traditionally, that, it's that's associated not. with Ilion. Well, yeah, that. Yeah, traditionally, yeah. it's always associated there. That's where the hunt always starts. All right. So, yeah, Moraine says it has to go to Ilion, and then we fast forward now to seven days later, and people are still celebrating, and Rand's up on a balcony practicing sword forms with Lan, and this is where we get a little bit about, uh, a little bit more about the blade. You know, Lan says it's a blade master's blade. Um, I don't think we've, I don't think we had that term given yet to the Harrenmark blade, and I might be wrong, but. I think that's the first time that he calls it a blade master's blade. Yeah, I I thought Lan mentioned that when he when he first saw it. Yeah, he did. But again, there was no depth to it. It was just in passing. To it right right now, we still don't understand anything about the sword. To be fair, we still don't understand anything about Rand or Lan or or Tam. Who the fuck is Tam? Or the mother? The fu- what the fuck it's is like, what, the, hey, what is this sword? Your bone. We're gonna yeah. include, you know, Child of the Dragon, and then you're lost. I'm like, you know what? I'll keep reading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nope. I was just saying. Time Tam. That's they it. So. There you go. There you go. T three. If you want to save time because the episode's T3, running long, just say T3. Time traveling, yeah, Tim. Exactly. Yeah, T3. Because so, it's yeah. going to come up again. <laughs> so, so Rand says he doesn't care about becoming a Blade Master. He just wants Tam to be proud of him, which is the all father-son moment. Yeah. Man, um, and then, in a snarky, and then, sarcastic all. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then Land's like, are you, still, are you still planning to do what you're planning to do? And Rand's like, yeah, I'm still planning to run away. Egwene overhears. And she comes over and says, what, you know, what are you planning? She's like, I plan to go away. I, I don't want to kill people. I'm going to go mad. I don't want anyone around me. I want to go as far away as possible for anyone else. Gwen says, well, we're going to Tarbalan. He's like, I can't go there. I can't go. You know, they'll, they'll try to gentleman kill me too. Like, I don't know if I'll be able to control the power. He's having this struggle right now. Like, I don't want to use it ever again. Like, Gwen even says, we don't have to use it. He's like, well, I never tried to before. And it just happened. So, like, I, you know, he can't go home. He doesn't want to go home. Not ever home. Um, he just um, closing wants, time. He wants to go away. Every new beginning comes <laughs> from some other beginnings end, and that's uh, the end of the book. I think that's well. Then the Moraine over here is a pretty the very serious. End. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Very, very final part. It's the very serious final part is Moraine eavesdropping on Egwene and Rand from the garden down below. And as as the stone fades away, and she looks up, she smiles and whispers, the prophecies will be fulfilled. The dragon Fading is reborn. 
Made the block. Ciao. <laughs> and that's the end of the book. So, and then it just goes back to that mother effer Moraine withholding information like she's watching all this unfold and where everybody else is freaking out. There's so much unknown with the girls and Rand's like, I don't know what to do and blah, 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 blah. She overhears the conversation. She sees what happens. She knows everything about these boys and girls. And to her, instead of a question mark, it's an explanation mark. Where everybody else is confused, she is more firm than ever. The prophecy, the prophecies will be fulfilled. The dragon is reborn. And, and to me, that's shitty because she's just clearly withholding information from all the really fucking important characters that need to know this. Why do you think they need to know it? Right. Damn her. <sighs> okay. So, great question. Having watched The Matrix many times, I do know that if they did know, perhaps they wouldn't do what they're supposed to do and that they would do if they didn't know. So good question. But it's still shitty on her part to assume that she should keep all this information to herself. Hmm. How does she know that they're not supposed to know? She's a, she assumes that it only works if they don't know. Hmm. It's almost as if there might be hmm. more to Maureen's character. Huh. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know what? Jordan should just go ahead and you know, write another they, book I'll with tell you some what, backstory about Moraine. If they, he should have come out with a sequel to this. Like, there should be a book after this that expands more upon the stuff that you guys just read. Yeah. I wish there was a sequel, or fourteen, mm-hmm. or you know, fourteen of them, <laughs> or maybe fourteen you of know. them. Yeah. And, and, and even a prequel, of them that, a prequel. You know, 13 you're right. I just wish. and a prequel. And a couple of short stories. Yeah. If there was only that might be just enough to expand but on it, this a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even that yeah. might be just shy of really tying all the loose ends. So, so maybe another one, but you're mm-hmm. right. You're right. At least that much. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. I, well, and we well, have men's that come, anything else for you guys? Sense. Well, which whole, one? I'm which home, one? Yeah, not home, not ever home. So he's okay. leaving his queen. He's leaving his what? love. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, oh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah. I can't wait to hear you guys read the Great Hunt. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be great. <laughs> I'm just gonna so, read yeah, tomorrow. I'll tell you what, I have no this. idea how you hold this. <laughs> I'm gonna... like reading a couple chapters at once. I'd be like, "Fuck it, I'm reading all of it." I, I finished reading the yeah. last well, chapter they, of they, the book they've got, uh, while we were going over the third. <laughs> while we were too, while we were in the third uh, anchor <laughs> session. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> So there you go. Um, they, they usually wait to the last minute to read, so that's how it usually works. Yeah, um, try to drag it out. Try to and drag so it out. I'll, I'll I'll say this: like we had um, within the patron chat and and on Discord, and people talking about how tough it might must be to read it this slow, and then 
Um, some like Alan has commented on sometimes we hit the nail on the head on stuff, and sometimes we're just so wildly off. And tonight, as long as he's as long as this episode was, clearly Chris and I went down some crazy ass rabbit holes that either never come to fruition or we were just way off point. But part of that is, uh, I feel like even if I was reading this in real time and me reading novels like this, I would just pound through them. These are some of the questions you have in your head, like, mm-hmm. could this be, could that be, could this be? But normally you're reading so fast, you don't have that much time to dwell on it. And then you get your answers before your mind gets to wander that much. But Chris and I have to agonize over little bits of information for a week at a time. Well, <laughs> and Chris you. is a smart fucking dude. <laughs> like, yeah. So like so like he'll read a line and he reads all the possible ways it could go with the information we have at that point in time and sometimes he blows my mind my mind away and I'm looking at him like holy cow that definitely could be or I could see like if if it took a twist like and and we have our own influences he 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 brings up Harry Potter a lot uh, and, and I got some of my sci-fi stuff and my star Wars influences. And so like that affects the way we read this until we have more information. So that's kind of part of why we go down our rabbit holes is, is because of the amount of time we have to sit there and freaking think about it. Can I make no. like a couple incredibly general comments about the books and then, uh, the next book, like, I guess I, I know sure. you guys are going to do like a, uh, recap. Like you're going to do another podcast where you go over like your general thoughts of the book, but I'll ask a couple things like uh, real mm-hmm. quick in a, like a really short guess. Like, what do you think happens in the great hunt? If you had to guess right now, no thought <laughs> I, I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, what do you think? So prior to prior to um, them finding the horn, in like these last couple of chapters, I was thinking the great hunt was going to be because we had the vision of men with mm-hmm. Matt and the horn. Right. So I was thinking the great hunt would be Matt going on this separate quest on his own to go find the horn. But now we already have the horn. So I'm I'm almost clueless as to what they're going to do with it now. I mean, I, I know where they're trying to go. Um, I don't know. What about you, Chris? I don't know. <laughs> I'm a little I, confused on Ian that. Ian and I right were now. kind of going down the same rabbit hole with that. I, now my mind's going in multiple directions because we now know that there's six other seals. So then maybe we're looking to determine which seal is broken or is breaking to try to repair it so that we can keep uh, the dark one trapped. But then also there's the idea that there's another source of untainted power that could be tapped into and used. Um, or maybe there is a way to overcome the taint. So there's that perspective. And then there's the thought that we're going to be on the great hunt for Rand's identity. Um, because we know that he wants to go home, but at the same time, mm-hmm. I'm like, no, he also wants to discover more about himself. Maybe he gets to Edmund Field and finds out that, you know, maybe Tam enlightens him a little bit and he finds out he has a greater cause because, I mean, that end of the book is like mindfuckery. Like, I, I hate to use that word and that needs to be edited out, but... <laughs> 
Yeah, that's all good. It's accurate. Yeah, because that'll um, be a clip. That'll be a clip <laughs> for next week. It doesn't say yeah. the prophecy is fulfilled. It says the prophecies plural will be fulfilled. So, like we throughout the entire book thought we were in the fulfillment of prophecies. We had Logan. We had all of these actions occurring. We then have the eye of the world being wielded by Rand. But then the statement that our Miss Aesodai makes is the prophecies will be fulfilled. The dragon is reborn. So we know that exactly. We've only just <laughs> I love it. So <laughs> last question. Yes. Last question. <laughs> What's one thing or two things that you hope happen in the next book that like you would like to see Brandon no. <laughs> I hope oh yeah so so Rand Perrin Rand or Perrin Matt hasn't been in the girl conversation too much but Rand or Perrin one of the two uh-huh. of them needs to hook up with somebody <laughs> so they get some confidence because I'm tired of hearing Perrin say if only <laughs> Rand was here and Rand goes, Perrin is so much better with chicks. One of the two of them just, they need to, if they have to pay for it. I mean, look, the girl's got to put herself through college. They need to get through that rites of passage. Let's just do a economical transaction that's good for both parties and get it done. Oh, boy. Uh, but I also, in, in all reality, um, I would love, because Matt's still our wild card, right? I would love for the next book to start out with this this great plan that Moraine puts together. And our O'Gear is like, yeah, that sounds like a good plan. And they're about to go do it. And then I want to see by chapter two, I want Matt to grab the horn and say, fuck this shit and just blow the horn. And then everybody be like, oh my gosh, no, everything like, and then just craziness ensues like oh, fuck this that's shit, what Matt should do because that's his character ensues. that's actually what's on the the write-up like the synopsis of the book yeah if i read the back sleeve of the book that's that's the <laughs> sweet wild card bitches blows the horn yeah. everybody goes oh no <laughs> yeah <laughs> so two things that uh, i would like yeah. to see um I really want to get to the bottom of who Rand is. And I know that's going to take 13 more books. Okay. Um, (laughs) But yeah, but just, but yeah. Um, (laughs) And I want a little bit more introduction into the world of the Aes Sedai. Yeah, we've still barely touched it. And we only have Mm. a little bit of idea about we know nothing about the blue other than Moraine claims to be one, but she might still be black. Let's be honest. <laughs> and then there's the other color, Aja, and, and what all they mean. And yeah. yeah, right. Right now we've had red and uh, yeah. and black. Oh, they've mentioned black. And red it's got to be a green just because yeah. it's my favorite color. So I thought we were going to get a freebie there. It is the last <laughs> moment of this book. Well, I'm excited uh, to hear more now. Yeah, you're, you're you guys actually soon. have me after hearing your comments. Yeah, I will say nothing on them other than I am excited. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Yay. 
Well, look, I'm if just... chapter two of the next book, Rand blows the horn, <laughs> swear to God. That's... No, you're missing the point. I'm it's a, I'm a love life. In chapter four, was it that Rand was going to die in chapter four? Was that, was that really a, was that really a, a, a guess? Is it Rand's going to die? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very, very yeah. first chapter we read. They were like, yeah, chapter four, Rand's dead. We were a few uh, yeah. Let's just be real. Probably now, dark and so... <laughs> yeah, we were probably... Oh, yeah, we God, were deep on the dark... The 151 Dark and Stormies. Yeah. So... Lots of rum. I... <laughs> I'll I'll say I'll say this, uh, and hopefully this sticks to the recording. Um, I mentioned how Ran needs to ditch Egwene, or else he's going to lose his legs. Now, some of you all <laughs> might have thought I meant that literally, and yes. it's probably because I said literally, but metaphorically, You're... I wasn't wrong. <laughs> if if he would have been like, uh, no, Egwene, you just go ahead and run from the forsaken on your own no big deal and i'm just gonna go the other way maybe he didn't have to tap into the power like this and and start this uh path that he's going on but yeah he he stayed hooked on her and that's pretty much what helped him tap into the power a couple of times now so yeah well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap the episode up. Before I do, Nabless, thank sure. you so much um, for coming it's and been fun. helping us out. I hope you had fun doing this. Yeah. Um, uh, it's always a pleasure to have some guest hosts on. Um, I know everyone appreciates that out there listening to us right now on Discord. Well, I'd love to hear you. Like, guess when we go, finally made this episode go live. I would I'm love sure to come enjoy, back enjoy when I'm allowed to well. talk about um, more that isn't like, there was so much in this section that we just could not talk about. Yeah, so, like the whole <laughs> emphasis on the angry. No, and it's always never say the word. I want to. Yeah, angry. Like, angry. Angry. That she learned in the royal palace, and like I want to learn a whole lot more about Moraine. Uh, I hope that works out for you. Yeah. Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. <laughs> oh, that's a wait. So there's his line. Alan says, sure. And Nabla says, well, I hope that works out for you. <laughs> that's very kind of you. Yeah, yeah. All right. So how are you can be found? We get found on Discord, our, our, on, on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook at The Wheel Reads. Our, our, G, our email address is thewheelreads at gmail.com. Uh, of course, our Discord. Um, it, like I like, it's where we do our live recordings. It's a great place to hang out. We have uh, plenty of people on there and lots of things going on all the time. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And then, if you want to support us in any way, we do have a Patreon. I would please ask you to go visit that. Look at it. We have a couple of levels right now, tiers. I'm thinking about adding some more. Uh, that's probably coming out before we record our next episode. Uh, lots of good benefits there, but really just to support us, help us get better equipment. Help us become a better podcast. That's really what it boils down to. And just help us uh, support us the time that we put into doing this. I mean, it does take a lot of our time. Uh, Any content creator will tell you. um, It it, it takes a lot of time to put these things out. Uh, Regardless on how bad the quality gets sometimes, the technical difficulties we have, there's still hours and hours of editing and hours and hours of promoting um, that we we put into this for you guys. And and we'd appreciate your help. Not saying you have to. Um, If you just want to listen to us, that's fine too. Um, we just enjoy having listeners too. Um, so um, anything else did you guys want to add before we sign off? 
Hey, Until I'll the say next this. Book. Uh, you all should definitely <laughs> support these guys on Patreon. Um, it's the best way to support content creators. If you like what you hear, um, throw them a few bucks a month. Won't, won't bother you. It's a cup of coffee a month, but it really helps a lot when you all do it. And um, I can speak for somebody else as someone else that makes content. It's, it's super, super helpful and meaningful to them to know that you appreciate their work. And these guys are awesome. And you left out one thing, Alan. Um, you are also soon to be featured What's on that? thegreatblight.com, which will be a Wheel of Time community fan website of which you will be a part of, right? 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 Yes. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Yes, definitely. So, yes. Very excited about that, uh, too. So the, that's, that's coming the out the end of this month, right? Not the great... The greatplightlight.com uh, website is going to be fantastic, and us as content creators will be on there. So we are very thankful, Nablus, for you for doing and all the hard work. Hard work that. Uh, that's end, that's fantastic. I, want this added. Uh, I just want to give yet another shout out to Alan for all of the work that he pours into this because literally he gives Ian and I a platform <laughs> to drunkenly talk to you people about a book. And then he goes and creates a world around us, which yeah. he is our creator. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Bella. Someone just said that in our chat, and I will end the episode this way. Since Dusty Wheel's not in, Matt Hatch is not listening anymore. I'll just take some steel from him, and we'll smash the Great Hunt. Thank you for listening to the Wheel of Reads. See y'all next time. <laughs>